Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, welcome to the Co-Optional Podcast here on the 25th of October 2016. Hiya. Hello. Hello. Jesse's lazy. He's not in the office today. No, I'm not lazy. I am on a mission. Oh, what is your Uh, mission? Tell me. I have had a package. (laughs) Same package. Stolen from me twice now. Somehow. (laughs) Okay. I ordered well, like a pretty closed off living situation. Oh, oh yeah. Who oh, the yeah. fuck is stealing your shit? So I uh, I ordered some stuff uh, a couple weeks ago and just vanished. So I contact the company. They sent it to me again. Vanished again. But this time the postal service is like, oh, it was delivered. So I'm waiting today for the guy from the post office to show up. And I'm going to get his ass and be like, where's my package, motherfucker? And I'm going to find him. And so that's why I'm here. And I, mm. I, he supposedly arrives between now and 3 o'clock. Great. So, so for some reason, I lose my shit and start just... <laughs> that's where I'm at. I just want to let you know that's where I'm at. Is I'm confronting probably a very nice person who may or may not be stealing my packages. <laughs> find his ass. I'm going to find his ass. I've heard certain rumors that this package is in fact a set of underwear. Is that true? It is. Uh, for me, Undy, shout out. You should sponsor us, me, Undies. I'm working on that you shit, by the way. Well, you've us, you've ruined it now. You've just given them free publicity. <laughs> I mean, it, we, Undies, they're, com- they're a competitor. That's much ah, better. Ah, there you go. Yes. Fuck me, Undies. Yeah. yeah. When the mail order Undies came up, I did not think it was for you to wear. I thought it was for other purposes. No, it's for me <laughs> to wear because, bro, I love me mm-hmm. some of them underwears and I need more. And I ordered them and was like, where the fuck's my underwear? Look. It's one of the most important things you can own. I mean, That's it's true. true. I just want to have them. So now I have, I'm like going through the, the laundry like almost every three days because I'm running out of underwear and I want my fucking underwear. That's all I want. That's all I want. Jeez, oh, Louise. Cheese mm. and crackers. All I want is my underwear. and crackers. You know, you, be crazy. do you think the person that stole the first package was disappointed in the contents but thought you know it can't possibly be as disappointing next time so we'll give it another shot surely next time it won't be underwear again no they wouldn't be disappointed because one of those underwears there's ghosts on it the pattern is fabulous wow shit that changes everything it does he's like perfect for halloween also uh we 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 undies yes has uh-huh. has it written literally on the package, so they know oh, what it is. That's clear. Yeah. Okay. They know what they're grabbing. It's like a little package that has their shit all over it. So people it's just want ordering from these guys. Look, here's the thing. I want to say I started the trend. Go back, look years ago on this podcast. I held up those bright pink underwear and was like, "These things are this shit." And everyone else since then has been like, "Well, my podcast supports we undies." <laughs> We started that shit right here. If anything, they should be paying us. And we still never got the sponsorship. I know. That's what I tell you. You give them too much free publicity. They see no value in it now. You've devalued our brand. Well, I will. How about I devalue the brand, their brand, by saying, me undies, thieves love that shit. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure that will help. Order some undies. They'll be stolen. Yeah, order some (laughs) undies. People will steal them. It's right next to a box from Best Buy, Best Buy but they leave that alone. Nah. Yeah. Nothing, ever, nothing good ever comes from Best Buy. True. Mm. 
no doubt. Welcome to the Corruption Podcast. We do occasionally talk about video games. Our guest today on the show, I believe for the second time, coming at a rather appropriate time, considering it's been uh, something of a shower of wonders when it comes to Forex and grand strategy lately, is the one and only Quill 18. Well, shower of wonders. Shower of wonders. Shower of wonders. Shower of wonders. There's a lot of wonders in that game. I built most of them in one city. Mm. Most, I don't even, I didn't even need them. The ones I didn't even need. It's like, no, hey, wonders I, are like Pokemon. You gotta catch them all. You do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, you can have them so other people can't. You know, do I build the Petra <laughs> in a city that literally has no desert hexes whatsoever? Yes, because then someone else doesn't get the Petra. Yeah, is Petra that. a wonder that exists in civilization? It I'm not is. familiar with that one. Yep, that's the pe- the Petra sort of middle of the game. It gives uh, if Petra's city- so good. You know, yeah, I never bit- built. In Civ Five, the thing was, in all my games, people want me to build Petra all the time, and I just flat out refused in Civ Five because I didn't think it was very good. Much better in Civ Six. Uh, yes, uh, if you happen to build it in the right city, you know. Otherwise, it is basically useless. It's like, hey, I don't have any desert hexes around here, so there's no point in me owning this. But I want it anyway because it looks pretty, and then and those motherfuckers over there can't have it now. Mm-hmm. So that's <laughs> the way to go. Uh, it's, yeah, we'll, we'll be getting on to Civ shortly. That's one of the main reasons you're on the show. Certainly talk a lot about Civ. We've all been playing that with the exception of Dodger, who can play horribly complicated circuit construction games, but apparently Civ is out of her league. To play Civ. Yeah. Civ, I don't understand it. I don't it's- know. I, I like people will sit and tell me how much fun they're having with Civ. They'll be like, oh, my God, I sat down to play Civ. And then 10 hours later, it was like 30 minutes had gone by. Like I got lost in the vortex of Civ. And I'm like, how? Because uh, 30 minutes of that game feels like forever to me. Wow. <laughs> it's not. It's just not. It's not my game. It's not my game. Type. Sure. Yeah, yeah, totally. There's, there's Obviously. no. Uh, yeah, I think we, we, we kind of gotten that point, certainly. But <laughs> yeah, it's not for everybody. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. I think a lot of people get the one more turn feeling and lose a lot of time in it, and then there's probably people that really bounce off that title in a big way. Nothing nope. wrong with that. We're not going to judge you. We're not going to judge you. Yeah, you know, I mean, just just because you don't get to experience what it's like to nuke the planet, <laughs> and, and, oh, and, and truly, six looks so good. They're mm, so good. It it's so good. Not to mention, there's a more powerful version. You know, the regular nuke. Yeah. That's nothing. You want your thermonuclear device. That's the big one. That's the fun it's one. Great. Then I nuked my own cities just so I could see what it looked like even more. <laughs> I was so thrilled that I was like, "F it, let's nuke our own cities." Sure, why not? Then, then the people will fear and respect you. That's the way it works, right? Once you win the game, that one more turn thing is literally just let's f a nuke everyone. Yeah, pretty much. Just blow <laughs> all up the for subs the are off the coast of Rome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, I mean, I guess we might as well just go straight in on that one because three of us have been spending a lot of time this week uh, going go for oh, going for Civ. This is this is Dodger's break time. She can sit there look, <laughs> pretending to be interested for like the next. I'll drink. I'll drink talk. my chai latte. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, we're about to call you an uncultured swine for not playing Civ, but if you're having a chai latte, that changes uh-huh. the game completely. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Quite. Mm. Well, we have we do have somewhat of an expert on this particular game here. This is the guy that slaps the game around on deity level difficulty. I didn't know Jesse was so good at it. <laughs> I mean, I did. I knew. I've seen you was, play, Jesse. I was not impressed. I was aware. I was, I, was, I, was also, I was also very drunk. Give me a brain TV. <laughs> sure. I mean, fair enough. Mm. But uh, a lot of good initial impressions of Civ Six. But, uh, you know, I want to hear about it from something of a higher level. You know, a lot of us play Civ fairly casually on sort of middling difficulty. 
But you, on the other hand, you play Deity, which is like the highest, so... Well, we'll yes and no, I'm far from the best Civ player. I mean, the entire internet will happily remind me of that all the time. Um, I'm pretty good, far from the best, and that brings me to the point where I did beat Civ Six my first time on Deity, and I don't think that should be possible. I don't mm, think, think I'm the sort of player who should be able to crush, like, without question, this is a domination of Civ Six in my very first game. And that that to me is not fantastic because I tend to play in Civ Five. I used to play on Immortal mostly because it let me play lazy, automate the workers, not care too much and whatever, and that was fine. But in, in Civ Six, mm, I do love Civ Six. I think it's fantastic. Love the district system, love the wonder system. Oh man, I think that's freaking amazing. But the AI is a little on the weak side. Yeah, that was the what? main. What? <laughs> that's know, the main point that's been coming out of people, like over over the last week or so. Uh, as usual, most of the reviews glossed over that. They evidently just didn't notice. They probably didn't play it enough to notice or played mm -hmm. it on too low difficulty. We noticed it in the preview build as well, but it was hard to know whether or not it was a case of, oh, it's just because we're locked to Prince difficulty, which is normal mode. Yeah. or whether or not there was actually some more deep-seated issues. Then, of course, once we got the full game, we realized the game does have certain AI problems, mm. uh, such as, you know, Quill, I know you've got plenty of examples. Like, toss a few of the big ones out there. Unescorted settlers, unescorted workers are still super present on Deity, even though they can spam out, like, uh, soldier units. And really they do. Cheaply. They have infinite troops, and yet there's still an unescorted settler walking into your territory, including workers entering your territory that is actively at war. Like, I'm sieging down a city, and they send over a worker to presumably, like, fix a pillage improvement. I'm like, all right, thank you. I'll take yeah. that. Just, just to give yeah. people context, by the way, there is literally no point in sending a worker into a territory you're at war with. I mean, there's really not <laughs> one that's sending one into one that you have peace with, really. But at war, no point. Zero reason for, to ever, ever do that. And it's a civilian unit that can be captured. So you're basically gifting a freebie to your enemy, which... No AI would ever in their right mind do, but, you know, the AI in this game is not quite in its right mind at times. Yeah, so I'd say that's probably the, really the, the outstanding AI pure flaw. And in addition to that, there just seems to be, you know, some maybe some AI priority balance issues in terms of spamming out too many early units, maybe not being able to tech up. Um, religious maybe, units? Oh religious my units? god, the religious oh, yeah. spam. I... That is I love the new religion system, but holy shit. It is. <laughs> it can get obnoxious. It was the first game I was playing on preview. I was doing pretty well. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, there are 40 Norwegian missionaries in my territory. Like, they came out of fucking <laughs> yep. nowhere, tried to convert all my stuff. I did play one game, I think it was on, a, on King Difficulty, which is five, where I founded a religion and then instantly the next turn had it wiped out and there was no <laughs> way to bring it back. That, that, that's a kind of key flaw with the religion system. Everyone who gets a great profit gets to found a religion. That means not everybody does. The AI is really good at getting great profits before you. I'll tell you that for a fact. It's lovely that there's a maximum of five religions in the game. If you don't found one, you can be influenced by other religions. You can still get the bonuses and benefits, but you can't choose them. You know, and you know, being able to set those particular bonuses and benefits is a big deal you know it really affects your strategy and it's a very enjoyable thing to do the problem is you set up your religion it's possible for that religion to be wiped out the next turn and there's no way to get it back there's no concept of the holy land like a really like like that your founding city would be super protected against that kind of thing no 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 
it can just get flattened immediately. And then it's like, oh, great. I mean, there's nothing I can do about this now. That's it. It's done. There's no way to come back from it. It's a giant pain in the ass. Don't like it a lot. A uh, great example is when Crendor and I played, uh, there was an onslaught of Jewish Greeks that kept attacking us. And to the point where as I'm trying to expand my, my empire, I can't take a city because there's a wall of apostle, like apostates or whatever they are, just like standing in the way. And I was like, I, I have to kill these religious dudes in order to get to the place I want to go. There's so many of them just blocking the path. It's there's like 50 Everyone's of them. Really protesting you, Jesse. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm not, a, not, I'm not okay. with them. You can't do anything about them. They no, you can't. They just stand there. Yeah. Oh my God. It's yeah. so aggravating. You can engage in religious combat with them, but uh, that's basically. Is that just like an argument? It's yes. No. It's li- it's like lightning. It's, it's a rap like battle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically two wizards. It's like watching two wizards fight because like lightning's yeah. coming down. They're like, oh, it's super enjoyable to watch. Uh, I mean, funny. the first couple of times it is, and then you realize, oh god, you know, there are really there are only three religious units in the entire game. You get them all <laughs> around the same time, and they're basically about as effective as each other. So they might as well just be headbutting each other, like to death like there's very little strategy in religious combat it's usually just a wave of one religious unit mashing up against a wave of another religious unit which yeah I, I is a part of the reason for that is i think the ai ends up um stockpiling a fair amount of faith which is mm-hmm. okay gains the ability to produce these units spends all its faith on that and every time you buy a religious unit the next time to buy it costs more and more faith and it's sort of burns that out and then it's not really in a position to keep spamming that out so you get one big wave wave of them and it sort of stops after that um and you know that might be another thing to like change it up and encourage them to trickle it out a bit more maybe they could do things a little bit more strategically but yeah yeah i agree It it is possible to just gain a massive amount of faith and just like all right well every one of my cities that has a holy site i could build two religious units let's just build fucking 20 at once or whatever <laughs> the AI, the ai is very very good at that and it seems to prioritize doing that over spending faith to recruit great people which you yeah. could, is also a great way you know a good way to use stockpile mm-hmm. faith you can get that's a great how you person. dump it if you're not doing the religion game. yes yeah, yeah. yeah and i did that like and i used it to get every great person before everybody else and just like went crazy on that because i'd i'd taken control of the continent in terms of religion everything on that continent was mine so no one was able to really like dispute it so like all right cool i'm just gonna use my faith to buy free shit over and over and over again uh i, I had a lot of fun with religion in the game i won uh, tourism victory with so i set up a religion where my religious relics were worth like quadruple tourism bonus everyone wanted mm. to see my like shiny crosses or something and then there's a uh, a wonder you can build where all of your apostles get the martyr trait where if they die in religious combat you get you get a relic, a relic. Yeah. so i uh, sent them away to die over and over yep, and over again. i just I drowned in relics all my battles and like filled my thing it was like the yeah the self-sacrifice religion of touristic awesomeness yeah that that, that is <laughs> for some reason why you can do like that, that you can build yeah, it's great. It's like, hey, come visit my city built on the bones of my fallen apostles, and <laughs> it, it it's a bit odd. But I mean, yeah, that, that's sort of guys. yeah, that's sort of a more of a minor problem. I, I think the biggest problem I've run into, well, there's two main problems with the AI that I've run into repeatedly, and a lot of other people have as well. The first one being, it is quite unpredictable in the way that they will fucking denounce you for fuck all, like for no real good reason. And it's a bit fuzzy because every civilization has a hidden agenda, which is a cool idea and a cool mechanic. The problem is 
you don't know whether or not you've upset their hidden agenda or whether or not the AI's just thrown a hissy fit over nothing and decided to like either declare war on you for fuck all reason or denounce you and it seems really really hard to become friends and allies with AI in this game you have to there was really work for it just a post on reddit that I read that explains that the AI diplomatic relationship does not work the way that you expect. Because you can see this list of modifiers, right? You're getting yeah. plus 10 because you kept the promise, minus four because your units are too close, et cetera, et cetera. That's not the, you don't add that up to find your current diplomatic status. Those all act like damage over time or healing over time, where every turn you're getting minus blank to your relationship oh. and there's some hidden internal number so even if the, all the the uh all the numbers you saw were positive you could still have a shit relationship with them because yeah. of something that happened previously and you're having to burn that away and apparently that's what's going on behind the mm. scenes which that changes some of the the things quite a bit the other thing is the ai will declare war at the drop of a hat in the early phase of the game where there's yes. no warmongering penalty and i think that's kind of a legit although that will catch people off guard the first time especially at higher difficulties it's like, Turn 20, they show up with like 15 guys, and you're like, what the hell? Well, fuck, yeah. But, but it's also it's also ludicrous in that when they do attack, and this happened to me in several games I've played so far. I have like 23 hours in this thing already. I This game's great. Uh, I'm sure many people have many more, but this- I'm like, 50 right now. I'm yeah, like losing my on. mind playing this. But in the game, so far, every time I've-, I've early, You're right, early game, the other sims will attack you for no damn reason and, and denounce you for no damn reason. But the funny part is, and this just happened to me with um, uh, uh, Hojo, uh, like literally just, it's just, hey, um, we're going to attack you. We're going to spend five turns attacking you. And on turn six, sue for peace and give you a shit ton of stuff. Thanks <laughs> for defending and doing nothing. And it's like, okay, sure, thanks. Yeah, what seems to be happening there is I think they're building up a lot of war weariness. It may not have even been their first war. At high difficulties, they really like to declare war in city-states too. So I think their city-states have a lot of war weariness, which is negative amenities. They're at war with you. They're, a lot of their troops are dying in foreign territory because you're defending, and all their people freak out, and they're starting to get like internal rebellions and barbarians, and that's when they have to peace out. So again, it's a bit of a mis- internal it's management. super bizarre, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This, it yeah, seems like there's definitely a shit ton of gold. There's definitely some numbers that are off. There is a bug which allows you to renegotiate an agreement uh, for tons and tons of resources, despite the fact that you have no bargaining power whatsoever. That's reliably repeatable. That needs fixing. Uh, the The big problem that the AI seems to have with war is that it really loves to prioritize quantity over quality, despite having the tech to do something a hell of a lot better. A great example of that is my recent, I think it was difficulty level six, either five or six game, I was playing as Egypt, you know, real big uh, wonder builder, real big trader. I had tons of money, tons of faith. Everything was going pretty well and very high tech. And Spain is like, I fucking hate you. So I'm going to go and I'm going to attack you. And along comes its army of 60 heavy chariots. <laughs> now, this sounds like this sounds threatening until you realize that my units are modern infantry and anti-tank weapons. Which means that heavy chariots can't do a fucking thing. Like, absolutely nothing. They've been sitting on this army for god knows how long. They've never upgraded it. They've never combined the chariots together into core or army to make them tougher. And as a result, they're, they are very confident in their ability to declare war and actually make war on me. All they're really doing is feeding 60 heavy chariots to my two infantry armies and one anti-tank dude 
They can't do fucking anything to me. Yeah, you'll see a lot of warriors in the late game as well. And you're like, yes. What are you doing here? Yeah, those are the guys with clubs. That's yeah. the default starting unit. Like, there's no reason to have that at, at all. The, the AI's ability to make war on you seems to diminish the further on into the game you go. Yes. Yeah. Which... And to a certain extent, that's always been true because later on, there's a lot more variety in units and you get a lot more units with like increased range and movement. And the fact of the matter is, there's a lot of people on the internet who'll be like, well, how could they release a game without perfect AI? A lot of people who are never have never programmed a thing in their life just think it's easy to just make AI better. Uh, not, that's certainly not in a Civ game. It's super complicated. Like It is. I mean, how it takes a supercomputer to beat someone at chess. Supercomputer, like 20 years of the world's greatest PhDs, to beat someone at chess. A game that's actually relatively straightforward compared to all the shit that goes on in Civ. Yeah, there's that a lot less moving parts. There's a few glaring mistakes that the AI does. You're like, no, that could probably get adjusted relatively easily. Yeah. Like it's a settler thing. Yeah, you know, the settler thing and the upgrade thing, you know, just say, look, don't prioritize quantity over quality when it comes to units. If you have X number of units and Y tech, then maybe, you know, you should be upgrading, making yeah. those units better. Uh, don't don't fucking declare war with a, a massive useless units. Something along those lines that there's, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of issues with that. And that's the main big problem, I think, with with Civ, like right now, anyway. That especially if you play, you're, you're not inexperienced and you kind of know how to play Civ already, and you're you, you're not bad at it, you're gonna quickly notice some kind of odd AI behavior that's quite easy to exploit. They try to Zergling rush you every time. They, yeah, they, literally, yes. They, they do. I mean, they do that early game, which is effective, but then they try and do the same thing late game, which doesn't work. Mm, gotcha. You know, it absolutely does not. Uh, your, your units are just too strong at that point it's a great way to feed the units a ton of experience I'll tell you that for a fact not to mention yeah. there's there's certain either religious doctrines you can use or government policies that will give you a massive benefit to just <laughs> murdering low-level units just absolutely murdering them so in my, in my current game, I'm playing as America, and the religion I founded is called American Exceptionalism. And I've been, <laughs> I've been spreading it everywhere. And I have set up my entire society based around the idea that American Exceptionalism is the best. <laughs> and so all the, all the leaders are like, we are huge fans of American, American Exceptionalism. <laughs> it's so funny. I've run fanboyism, I think, for several years now through various Civ games, and the religion of fanboyism always always goes well. That that's always fun to do, being able to name that stuff. That you know, we're kind of talking down a lot on the game, but those problems it's do super seem fun. like yeah, it's still fun, and those problems are like feasibly fixable. They're also yeah. not really that present in multiplayer, especially yeah. if you're you know, obviously if you're only playing with humans, it's a fucking non-issue. It, it this is without a doubt the best Civ at release ever, by yes. far. Yeah. Every mm -hmm. other Civ game, I mean, Civ Five ever released was a fucking disaster. Oh, it was a disaster Before area. It was, it was a fucking disaster. Mm. Buggy, glitchy, would crash, memory leaks, horrible AI, terrible game balance. I have to say, overall, the game balance feels pretty damn good. I'm betting the multiplayer is really, really fun. It's mostly the AI, although there is one, the worst, the worst thing in this game that is absolutely not forgivable. The fucking trade menu does not sort, which pissed me off. That's something that was an issue in Beyond Earth that they never fixed. You needed to get a mod to get it sorting the way you wanted here. You do have a filter. You can sort, show me all trade routes, just production, but then it doesn't sort the fucking trade routes by production. 
The, uh, it's the worst thing, and it's such a simple little yeah. thing. There's a lot of simple little fixes that are UI related, like quality of life stuff. You know, a, a, another example is that you can get one finding the unit list is uh, requires some detective work yep. because it's not in a logical place. There's no button that says list units. You actually have to click the title card of a unit, as in the name of it, to bring up a list of the other units, which is counterintuitive. Not only that, but the top of the list, instead of being filtered by you know the units you'd want to select, your military units. All your automated traders are first. So there's like two pages of traders, which you would never have a reason to select, then your military units. It's like, what? It's not even in alphabetical order, not to mention it's not in the order of, it's not an order of experience or health or anything. There's no way to change the order of that. Uh, the UI needs some work. Like it's, the score list isn't sorted by score. Yeah. What? What? The, yeah. the, score, the scoreboard isn't in the right order. Right. Okay. Yeah. Sure. That's it. That's a concept that you'd think people would have figured out by now. Have you guys also experienced the, uh, I don't know if it's a bug. Some people in chat were saying it was, I don't know. But more than usual in passive games, I've had so many shit starts where it's like, I'm now in a place that's, it's an island that's only Tundra. Or <laughs> if you do I've that, had, restart the game. Like seriously, right? I, that's I've worst. had more of those than I can remember from Civ 5 or Civ 4, like, I've had so many There is a reason. There's a reason for this. And you, you're going to, like, look at me and say, what the fuck, when I tell you what it is. There are three starting options. The default starting option is not the balanced starting option. It's really? standard. If you mm -hmm. click balanced, if you go to your uh, game setup and you click balanced, that shouldn't really happen. But the default is not balanced. Which so, I believe is the same thing in Civ Five. Like you, can yeah, I, I think it, it might be, yeah. But that's probably why you're running <sighs> into that. Uh, you know, it's uh, that. That's definitely a problem. I, barbarians this time around, very oh, aggressive, quite dangerous. Super aggressive. It's good. Yeah. I like yeah. it because previous to that, barbarians were just a hassle. This time, you feel like they're a real early game threat. But the problem with that is they're so strong that if you happen to be, you happen to spawn close to a couple of barbarian camps, you can spend the first like a thousand years under major siege with great yes. difficulty expanding. And if- A thousand years? Yeah. Literally, yeah, yes. 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 It's yeah. possible. It's because the, the way yeah. the way Civ like does its year system is it starts off like it's every like 20 or 30 years. And then once you get to modern era, it advances only like in years. It's, mm -hmm. it's to sort of represent the advance of technology being faster you know, right. as, as we built as a civilization. Um, but barbarians are really threatening. They are quite hard to take down. They can very much limit your ability to expand. And of course, that means that other civs can get way far ahead of you. I miss that great wall, man. I miss that great wall. That was oh. my one deterrent back in five where I was like, get that wall up. Oh, man. Yeah, I do. I love the way the great wall works this time, though, that you have to actually literally build it yourself, like in pieces, and you've got more customizations to where Ooh. it is. That's, su that's super fun, actually, uh, rather than it automatically popping around your entire empire. Uh, but you got to be China if you build the great wall, of course. Yeah. So, yeah. It's so. unique to them. Yeah, it is. The other thing you can mind with the starts is, um, I, I mean, I assume it works this way in Civ 6 still. It certainly did in Civ 5. Each nation tends to have a start bias where, like, if you play as Russia, you will almost certainly start next to the Tundra, for example. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, 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 the Congo that's definitely starts near Rainforest too, you know, yeah. and that's sensible. That that, that mm -hmm. makes sense. Uh, Russia being like the only Civ that gets bonuses on Tundra. Tundra is otherwise the most dog shit terrain in the game. Like, that's where you dump your districts. That's where you dump your, like, 
residential districts in particular, because for some reason, they love that. Like, you, you put your houses on freezing barren tundra. They're like, this is really appealing to the me. The views are it. great. Yeah. It's a mechanic of the game. They're like, I don't need air conditioning. Views. I'm saving so much money right. every month. It, sure. Oh, God. The area is such a, a piece of shit otherwise. It's not like you're building a bunch of mines and industrial zones. You to, can't, like, yeah, you can't build it. You can't build anything on it, really, really, like, outside of outside of districts. You can't improve it unless, again, you're Russia and they get bonuses from that. Yeah, you can mine a tundra hill, but the flat stuff, no. Yes, and tundras are generally flat. Like, there's not that many tundra hills, I've noticed, at least in the way they, they create that. It, uh, the, the only other sort of big issue that I've got with it is that there is a massive difference between the con the construction time for districts especially in the late game versus literally everything else uh, especially on the faster speeds either quick or online which is the default speed you play multiplayer at building powerful units in one turn quite easy especially if you have the right combination of policies building a district especially later on uh, and someone on the subreddit figured this out the cost of building a district increases based on the global number of districts. And apparently, according to him, it might not even be based on just what? your districts. It's everyone else's as well. So it gets See, more and more expensive to build. Yeah, I knew that Like, there's the base cost and the actual production. Yes. And I could tell it goes up. I couldn't figure out the thing. I didn't know, like, is it a penalty for number of cities? In which yeah, case, people didn't try to figure it out. Is better. But it's number of districts. And if it is global, then that's silly shit i mean it doesn't doesn't really make a lot of sense i i could see it scaling I, based on city size individual city size that would kind of make a certain degree of sense but the, i think number of districts within your empire or number of cities you have which is sort of the same um is a good way to balance the sort of just city spam which doesn't get limited otherwise in civ 6 the way it used to because there's no like global happiness or yes, global corruption yeah. or anything like that there's nothing otherwise to stop you from just spewing out as many cities as you want yeah settlers aren't actually that expensive uh, especially sort of towards the late game it becomes very easy to to really regrow you get massive bonuses for putting farms next to other farms with certain yeah, technologies so mm. you can have and, uh, and when, I, when I did the, yeah yeah and when i did the the preview build i found that Initially, I was thinking, all right, well, you really have to specialize your cities this time around. It's You don't have to specialize them as much as I thought, especially if you play a, a civilization that has a unique district, because that increases the number of districts you can build by one. So you get a bit extra there. And growing to, to big size, as long as you have the amenities to support it, not really that hard. Uh, mm. So you can have cities which do, you know, pretty much literally anything. I mean, I've noticed it's of, it can be harder to build like a theater square than it is to build the pyramids. Yeah, often than not, like yeah. the the wonders I, can be. I find myself, cheap. especially right around the time factories are unlocking, I get my industrial zones up everywhere. Then you get the overlapping factory bonus, and yes. it is really, really good. But oh, you need yeah. that to make it so that it's possible to build anything at a certain yeah. point. Yeah, because at the at the late game, uh, it, certainly for districts and wonders and buildings, as opposed to military units, like you do need to really, really crank that out. No yeah. doubt about it. It's, That's an easy tweak. Yeah, again, everything, almost everything we've said up to this point is tweakable with numbers. Either they'll fix it, or someone will fix it with a mod. Yeah, the, the game's got mod support out, out the gate, so mm -hmm. it's got almost limitless potential. We're going to see where that goes. I think as a, as a base game, it, it's great because it doesn't feel like a step back from the previous one. Mm. You know, When Civ Five came out, it felt like, well, this is a step back from Civ Four plus expansions. When Beyond Earth came out, it's like, why the fuck would I play this over Civ Five Brave New World, which yep. is clearly better? 
this time around, you feel like, all right, all the all the features that I want are here. They might yeah, not. They be don't have the World Congress, but honestly, I feel yeah. like Civ Five World Congress was a little weak sauce, and I'm hoping that's something they like dedicate like a full expansion to. Like, mm. let's make a really good international diplomacy fix up. Yeah, yeah. Corporations aren't there either. It'd be nice to see those come back yeah. uh, from Civ Five. You know, not not a huge deal, but yeah, you know, the the major systems are there, and it makes it easier to recommend getting it in. And rather than waiting a year for the first expansion or whatever, mm -hmm. whereas previous, especially the last two games, I've said, yeah, you should you should maybe hold on uh, till the expansion comes out. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, it I've still put fifty fucking hours into it. I don't know how many you've put in Quill, but I imagine it's a lot. I and... put about that much on the release version, but the preview release I put in, I don't know, two three hundred hours. Fucking easy. hell! Yeah, it's like nonstop playing that one. Yeah, that's you know. I mean, even with the problems, that's still a pretty strong recommendation. You know, it's still fun. It's yeah. just you, you shake loose some of those problems. You're like, damn, if only that was that was fixed. I'm hoping they're a little bit more responsive with patching than they may have oh, been in the past. I uh, feel yeah, like we're really so. slow with Beyond Earth. Um, even Civ Five got a good number of patches over the years, but it still takes a little while. And I get spoiled because I play like a lot of Paradox games, and those guys put out a patch like every three days, it feels like. That, yes, like, yeah, you know, they do a lot. They're very responsive to the community, but it feels like there's a lot more interaction maybe this time around. So we'll see, hopefully. and hopefully we don't have to wait three months for the first patch. Yes. Uh, yeah. I think if, if they do that, they will get, they will lose certainly a lot of players from the first few months, which would be bad because they had one of the most successful like PC launches of anything ever. Like, let me just double check Steam charts for a second because the number of concurrent players was insane. Uh, What's crazy to me is I don't think Civ Five has left the top five or at least the top ten, like ever. Yeah, it's mm. it, it's great. It's it's yeah. a, it's a great game. Uh, their peak was one hundred sixty-two thousand concurrent players. Right now, there's ninety-seven thousand people, which makes it the top single-player game on Steam by a country mile. Like it's more than doubling GTA Five right now, and. Yeah. Uh, assuming that people are playing GTA 5 for the single player still and not just right. multiplayer. The only two games it's behind are Dota 2 and Counter-Strike Global Offensive. It had a really, really, really strong launch. You don't want to bleed people off quick because of those tweakable problems, you know? It's like, don't don't fix them. You don't even need to fix them all at once. Come out tomorrow and say, we fixed one of them, then we fixed another one, then we fixed yeah. another one. Just do it. Get on with it. I, I feel like 2K Fraxis is kind of top heavy. There's a lot of layers of management involved in getting everything, you know, through the beta test process. It feels like a console sort of system, right? Where it's like, no, no, we need three months of QA before we can release any patch whatsoever. Is sort of the process it feels like. I feel it's the same thing with the, the damn non-sortable trade list. That's like some some producer at the top with their Gantt chart not allocating that day of programmer time to fix this. That's exactly you're exactly right. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It would it would definitely be odd if they were QA heavy, considering all the U, the weird UI issues feel like it wasn't designed by humans. Or for humans. <laughs> yep. It's but the like, game has not crashed once. In nope, the press preview nope. build, I only got one crash that entire time, and that was something that was about a month and a half before release. That was when that build was yeah. made. Oh, really, let's be honest, it was just being responsible. It's like you've been at the computer for three days. We've yeah, got to do something to stop this. So mm -hmm. we're gonna we're gonna go this way. It's you know they we're just looking out for your health, man. It, that's it's good. Um, but yeah, it you know Fraxis have a reputation for buggy early game releases, and they you know it's not it's not buggy this time around. Not really. 
Is it, Siv, that we were talking about last week, you said that there was a bunch of controversy about the art style? Yeah, yeah. It looks like a mobile game. I I think people got over that What does a mobile game look like? like? (laughs) They, like, change the art style every game, don't they? Yeah, Yeah. they do. Yes, yes. Absolutely. after playing Civ 6, you go back to Civ 5, and you're like, this is garbage. Yeah. you know, it's a strategy game. It's not supposed to be about the graphics, but holy crap, does Civ Five look a lot worse than Six after you've been playing Six? It does. <laughs> the, the The real thing that I like about it, yeah, it's it's exaggerated. It's definitely cartoony. That's going to be to your personal taste. There's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with disliking that. Uh, I think the criticism of it looks like a mobile game is silly because there's no such thing as a mobile game art style. You know, you, when it comes to mobile games, it's mostly the UI that's very, you know, very yeah. simplified, very similar, which is clearly not the case here. Mm-hmm. But what I really love about the art style is that it conveys the thing which Civ has always done, which is this optimistic look at history. Yeah. Everything about it from the narration from Sean Bean, which is spot on, by the way, good on him for not being one of those celebrity voice actors that phoned it the fuck in. He <laughs> did a great job. He yeah, obviously even the gave silly a shit for the text and things. They still sound great. Yeah. Oh, there was, there was there's that one about cheese that keeps yeah. coming up. It's like yeah. philosophers are or uh, poets are curiously silent on the subject of cheese. Just out of nowhere. They have multiple quotes for text. So you yes, get which is lovely. Time. Yeah, you don't hear the same yeah, one every so then time. You get funny ones as well as serious ones. It's like, all right, that's yeah. fine. If I have one minor fucking complaint about that narration is that every time you load a game, it there, there is separate narration for each era. A lot of people don't know this. There's uh, Sean Bean giving an introduction to the era, but you only ever hear it if you start the game in that era, not if you load a game that's currently in that era. If you oh. load the game, you get the same narration during the fairly lengthy load screen, mm-hmm. uh, which is the ancient era narration, which goes something like, uh, from the first stirrings of life beneath water to the great beasts of the Stone Age, you have come far, etc., etc. It's like, I, I've come really fucking far. You are not addressing this fact. And it's like, <laughs> look, I don't want to be sick of you, Sean Bean. I don't want to ever feel in my life that I'm sick of Sean Bean. I don't want no. that. It would be the greatest tragedy of all. It yeah. would. So why in the ever-loving fuck, having <laughs> recorded several different, you know, statements for the eras, do you not trigger them? Again, probably just an oversight. Um, but uh, yeah, his narration's great. There's some really nice choices of quotes in there. There's Monty Python. There's a Mythbusters quote in there. And there's a quote from uh, Sharp, which of course was the series that kind of made Sean Bean famous. It's the right. one for rifles, of course. It's the one about, uh, you know, walking a soldier's shoes. And then it's like, they, they can't chase you because you've got their shoes and you're out of range. You know, yeah. it's like, so that was nice. Oh, I didn't realize that's where I was from. Yeah, I've heard it Sharp. before. Yeah. It's, so that, that that's pretty great. I love that. And the music's, the music's wonderful. It changes on an era by era basis and it changes based on your, I think your civilization and kind of your government type. It's because I've definitely heard like music that I thought was exclusive to England when not playing England. That's uh, certainly happened. It's really noticeable when you play as Russia because they have some very distinctive songs. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I really enjoyed playing as the Congolese, actually, for that reason. There's some awesome call and response going on with that. I, and I've, I've always liked that kind of music. It sounds amazing. And again, it just it just makes you smile. It's, it's not a grim look at history. It's never been a grim look at history. The graphics reflect that. The music reflects that. Everything that they build aesthetically reflects their vision of history and and their optimism for the future. That I think I is great, and that that's why I'll I'll defend the 
cartoony art style. But the, the biggest thing I care about like when it. I play a strategy game is, are things clear? Like I didn't like in Beyond Earth, I found the graphics kind of muddy, hard to distinguish things, especially in the vanilla version of Beyond Earth. It was hard to tell miasma. Whereas in Civ 6, I think everything pops is very clear and distinctive. What's what, except for hills, which are a little eh. Although I love the strategic map mode in Civ 6. It's lovely. Ah, it's so clean. gorgeous. Looks mm. like a great board game. Yeah, I mean, you could, uh, Civ is basically a board game for all yeah. intents and purposes. You know, just you'd never want to play it as one because holy fuck, keeping track of everything would be ridiculous. There uh, is a Civ board game. Yeah, uh, no, I've that's seen got it. like six hundred cards in it. Super something complicated. Ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Uh, apparently, the best uh, if you want to play a board game, it's like Civilization. I'm told through the ages is the way to go, but it yeah. is a heavy game, very complicated. Uh, if you know, if you want to play the simplified kind of version, you play Seven Wonders, which uh, we have actually tried to play before. We probably Seven played half the rules. I think we played half game. the rules wrong, but oh, yeah. We, Give me a call next time you play. I, we play. That's one of my board games we play all the time with Seven my buddies Wonders? every right. week. Yeah, every week my guys come over for D and D. If someone's missing, we play board games. Seven Wonders is in super heavy rotation. Yeah, yeah. There's. Uh, they also just brought out fairly recently a two player version, which is Seven Wonders Duel, which I'm told is quite fun as well. Oh, if you just want to play one v one. So that's neat. Uh, to, they have an optional two player one in Seven Wonders, but it's really weird. It's like yeah, it's they, ha they had to redesign. Yeah. Yeah, they had to redesign it, but apparently, yeah. like the the dual version is really, really good, and they had just released an expansion for that. Uh, mm -hmm. But yeah, that, that that was part of our infamous. We're gonna go down to the basement of DragonCon and play board games, and then realize we didn't know how to play any of the board games, and the ones that we did know how to play were missing components, so we couldn't play them anyway. Uh, and good then, times. Yeah, good times. Good and the, times. the infamous Dominion backseat gamer that uh, came out of nowhere. A backseat gamer in real life. We didn't know this person. He just wandered up behind me and started telling me that oh, what I was doing was so optimal. I forgot about that. Yeah. And like, that I was just so weird. completely ignored him and did the thing anyway. Like, he was complaining <laughs> that I was like, I had too much copper and stuff like that. I was doing the, I was picking <laughs> the wrong cards up. And I was like, who are you again? Like, I. He was trying to help. He was just trying to help. Nobody asked him to do that. <laughs> Nobody. And that's why he was there, because no one would ask. Yeah. Backseat <laughs> game is no one in real life. Ask. After he had stood there for a certain amount of time, he asked if he could join us. And we were like, oh, we're actually like, we're just sticking to this group. And he was like, okay. And, and then just, just continued to stand there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he did take a while to wander off. Like, he to take took the a long time to wander off. We were like, okay. Yeah, he's probably a fan of you, TB, and you broke his heart. Uh -uh. Like, uh, I'll, I'll say heart. that pretty much anyone that watches my stuff, and you've probably experienced this <laughs> as well. Piss off! They know they don't have to talk to me. No, 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 no. They they generally introduce themselves that way rather than yeah. just like showing up randomly and starting a conversation. It's like, hey, you know, I've I've seen your stuff or whatever, or are you this person? Then, of course, you know, I get rid of all the awkwardness because it's just like, yes, I can, you know, I am this person, you know, how are you, blah, blah, blah. But no, they, when you wander up and tell someone how to play a board game when they didn't ask you to, that's a little shitty. Yeah. yeah don't do that, maybe. That's like, I'll never forget the very first time that I went to buy some anime VHS for the very first time oh, with my mom. I can see where this is going. Wait, yeah. whoa, whoa, pause. I'm sorry. What? We went into a Suncoast. Rewind the story. I think it was Suncoast. Wait. It was one of those. We went into a, a store in the mall that had a bunch of anime VHSs, and I really wanted some Dragon Ball ones. And my mom was like, oh, well, it looks like they've got a lot. So if there's, you know, something else you'd like to try, you know, let me know. So we're looking around and this guy 
goes into a really huge monologue about what anime are the best anime and what would be like suitable for my age range and like all of this stuff. And there was a certain point where my mom realized this guy does not work here. Like it was, <laughs> it was just a dude who was just hanging out in the anime section, like waiting for people to hang out with and talk to. And we wound up, we wound up getting something Ranma, Ranma one half maybe, which by the way, not suitable for my age range at the time. But anyways, <laughs> that was, that was my first, uh, I think my first situation like that, where it was like, I didn't, I didn't ask and you don't work here. Like this is a very strange interaction right now. Why is this happening? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, the, the, the hanging around in in stores waiting to talk to people is not the best way to make friends. I don't think it's not not optimal. No, you can do that a little better. You think these are the kind of people that would care about optimal as well? It's like I've done, well, I've done the numbers. It's on not this. even that, right? It's it's not even like I'm hanging out in a store where maybe I'll meet somebody who like are interested in the same things as me. It's I'm waiting in this store for somebody to walk up that I can tell how to live their life. <laughs> that's that's where the problem happens. And it's like, let me tell you how to do this right. It's like, please don't. <laughs> Nobody. Asked Maybe you. this person has a lot of history in the subject and is like, I need, I, I, I did this wrong when I was a kid. I've been studying this in college and yes. I don't know how to use this degree other than to hang out. Yeah, absolutely. I'm <laughs> goody and wait for 10 year olds to walk by so I can tell them what anime to buy. Yeah. That's... Yeah. Uh, yeah that's, that, there are, there are certain stores. That's what which I would do with my more, anime degree. Yeah. You're kidding me? Far more social, you know, like you hang around like in a, in a comic book store or board game store that actually has tables and people playing, then, you know, it, Makes a bit more sense to be to be more social, you know, or a games workshop. You can't if you have social anxiety, never walk into a games workshop. <laughs> you will be assailed by so many people. One staff because they are literally paid to never stop talking to you, uh, either until you buy something or you know got something to do with the hobby, or people who are already there for whatever reason. That that's gonna happen. Just be prepared for that if you go into a games workshop at any point. They will sell you dice. They will make those dice look really like, awesome. <laughs> I, I want that experience. Like I, when I go into a place like that, I want that experience. Just like guide me into your world because I don't get it quite yet. Oh yeah, right? not everybody does. There's a difference not between asking for that, that and having it, you know, thrust upon you. When I go into a board game store, I'm just gonna sit here for 45 minutes looking at all the board games, and I don't want anyone to come over and talk to me and start. Oh no. I want that shit. Take my hand. Take me by the hand, board game experts. Find me the game. Because I have so many games where I'm like, that looks cool. And then when I play it, I'm like, that was shit. So I, up on you're still, you're still getting over Boss Monster, aren't you? That oh. just did not go down well. There's a lot of games that I, that I wish were better than they were. That's all. <laughs> the more that I go to... Uh, board game shops that are also cafes or restaurants or bars the more I feel like that's an awesome, like I, I want to own one of those because the people who work at those places are so ready for you to just walk up and be like, yo, yo, yo hey. Let's own one of those. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that'd be so much fun. Yeah, own one of those. Those. Oh my God. The people who work there are always so knowledgeable. You can walk up and be like, there's two of us. We really like kind of casual games or we want a game that's going to take hours or you know they'll know they it know. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I, I won't awesome. lie. That was the most enjoyable part of working at game. Maybe the only enjoyable part of working at game when someone actually asked you a question like that. I had yeah. a... There was this one regular customer I had in game when I worked in this tiny little basement which was part of a department store in Sheffield. I was usually the only one there ever. But I had a regular customer, must have been late 50s, uh, you know, obviously not very mobile, but would come every few weeks and he was a PC gamer and he was really into action RPGs. And I saw I, he was only into action RPGs because I'd recommended him like his first one. And then he came back. It's like, do you have anything else that's like this? So nice. we we kind of we we went through through the sort of back catalog of good action RPGs and things like that, and started working on other RPGs that had action elements, but were you know maybe a bit more traditional. That is really enjoyable to do when when someone comes and does that. And I think that like if you work at a board game store in particular, you get a lot of that. Uh, Jesse, you you were with us, of course, at uh, Mox's boarding house. That place was dope. Holy shit. So that's in... That uh, place looked so cool. You missed the fuck out on our I party. I know, I missed out real yeah. hard. We we rented out there rentable rooms, and we... We had the alchemy room. We had the alchemist, <laughs> yes, the alchemy room, where they had, like, fake potions on the wall and everything, which is really, really awesome. cool. Awesome. And we, we rented this private room out, because we're like, look, you know, we want to get everyone together after PAX and just chill. Obviously, they, they have a restaurant and a full bar, and they bring service to your table, but that room is private. Like no one could fuck with you. You can you can take anything from their library. But the best thing about it is, I brought along Captain Sonar, kind of desperate to play it. We spent most of the night, you know, playing other stuff, which was great. Uh, but I'm like, it's late. I can't like teach this because I've never played it before. But I go up to the guy who basically owns the store. It's like, yeah, I can totally come and teach you that. And he teaches us in a great way too how to play Captain Sonar. And we have a fucking blast at the end of the night with it. I was like, mm -hmm. that was that, awesome. that's awesome. You know it. You're paying for like more than just the space there. You're paying for the access, to the library, and the experience, and it's it's so good. Yeah. Yeah, we've got one of those in my town, but I don't go enough because it's not licensed. Ah, uh, they don't have a bar, right? That that yeah. that popcorn and coffee. That's about it. Mm, you, need, uh, you, yeah, pass. you need a bar. You need a bar. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, bar and a, a bar and decent food, which they did have good food actually as well. It was actually smart. They they don't own the restaurant. They partnered with them and built the board game place. Oh, that's so smart. Real that's smart. That's the way to go. Yeah. Yeah. It was it, that place was the I've never been to a place that was that cool for, for doing board gaming and stuff. That was great. Hmm. Yeah. Don't know why that came out of civilization. But hey, you know, you should, I don't remember either. Go to board oh, game cafes. I remember why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Strategic view looks like a board game. Yes, it, it, it certainly does. Yeah, that, so that was the Mox's boarding house experience. I'd highly recommend it if you're ever around the Seattle area. They have two locations. I think this, this was their newer one. It's a bit outside of town, but it's awesome. All right, that was the that was the Civ talk. Um, <laughs> we'll do most of the stuff in the second hour, but we do have a few minutes left of this segment. I, I want to hear a little bit about this um, Stellaris expansion, this uh, Leviathans thing. Quill, you have played it. I know that. I have. What... <sighs> So, they're not calling it an expansion exactly. They're calling it like a story pack. A story pack, yes. Which yeah. for a strategy game sounds really out of place, right? Yeah, except Stellaris has right from the beginning been very story driven. So, for those of you who don't know, Stellaris is a 
uh, 4X space empire building game. It is from Paradox, and it it feels it has a lot of their elements from their grand strategy games, like European Assassin, Crusader Kings, and things like that. Mm-hmm. But the difference is that whereas in those games you start off in the real world map, and basically there's people living everywhere in the world, and you're just taking over an existing country. Here, the classic sort of 4X things where you're starting with one solar system in an uncharted galaxy and then sort of expanding outwards. And eventually the idea is like, you know, sort of all the stars get taken and then you go into more traditional grand strategy kind of stuff. Um, And Stellaris is one of the richest early games, I think. The exploration aspect is cool. There's lots of kind of cool story. And it's got some awesome late game stuff too with these like universe destroying disasters that start to pick up. But I guess, you know, most people feel that the mid game sort of lulled a little bit. And the idea, one of the ideas I think with the story pack is to add more well, story and events and, and depth of flavor in the mid-game. And because of that, I've intentionally been trying to stay away from reading too much about what it adds because I sort of want to be surprised as I go. Um, that was also paired, uh, Paradox, when they do come out with their more significant expansion DLCs, they do tend to pair them with the patch that um, includes free features as well as some things that are paid from the DLC. Um, and that includes a lot more revised user interface stuff, smarter sector AI, um, and a lot more differentiation between ship roles. So like, you know, Corvettes, destroyers, et cetera, they're not just bigger versions of the same thing. Um, so even if you don't get the story pack, there's a lot of improvements that come with this. So that's the general idea with uh, with Leviathan. I also heard there are giant fucking monsters in it. Big space monsters. Yeah, I haven't run into that yet. I mean, there are already some some natural wildlife, I guess, out there. You had, like, space cows and amoebas and things. But, yeah, there's supposed to be Space some... cows? Space cows. Well, hey, hey, they've got some other name, but you read the description, they're like, no, these are space, cloud, uh, space oh, cows. They're or, as they're commonly called, manatees. Okay, space manatees. That can work, too. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not sure where you're going to think with that. No. no, don't got it. I don't got it. <laughs> your, your head was stressing. You were like, I, know. <laughs> I feel like there's a space nope. goof that you can combine with manatee and it's not quite coming. Oh, a huge manatee. No. Anyways, oh, continue. God, I just got that. Oh. Yeah, it's not good. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> I'm never being invited again. <laughs> Hey, if we didn't invite people that made bad jokes or puns, we wouldn't have any guests left. So don't worry, you're that, fine. No, that's true. That's we absolutely true. We would be utterly true. fucked. We'd be only inviting the guys that never spoke again in the first place. It's like, why are you here again? Oh, dear. It's like, yes, the, the, the just grand return of Husky Starcraft to the show. <laughs> Getting like two God. words in, that's about it. Aww. Oh, man. He almost killed uh, the legacy of a five-year podcast by being the guest on the second episode ever of the show and never speaking. It's like, this show's terrible. Chat got it, Lunatees. Lunatees. There we go. That's terrible. That's not even close. That is super clever. You're nailing it. I love it. So you think now is now the time to get into into Stellaris? Like, is this a good, like, is it in a good place right now? Yeah, I think so. Even again, even without getting the story pack, the 1.3 patch really brings a lot of things, a lot of it, a lot of things that people complained about uh, at release in terms of some of the game balance and some of the user interface stuff has uh, really come into play. You've got like the ability to um, they have an expansion planner. What it is is really a list, a filterable list of 
planets you've discovered, you can sort it based on population, habitability or not. If you've got multiple races in your empire, which is a thing that can happen, you can filter it based on uh, which of your races would like to live where, for example. Uh, so then you can more easily keep track of things you can improve. There's a more centralized way to keep track of strategic resources. And the thing is, Stellaris, while still being kind of a grand strategy game, is way more accessible I think to most people than something like European Universalis or Crusader Kings. And I love U4. To me, European Universalis is like the cream of the crop for a lot of games out there. But Stellaris is a great way to sort of get in there. And the space theme is great. The music is fantastic. And that exploration, that early game exploration, I still say there's no no Space Forex game that beats it. Space Forex games, I don't think there's a perfect one out there. I loved Moo 2, but they all Moo 2 have... ain't perfect. Absolutely no, not. not perfect. And People either try to copy Master of Orion and they copy the wrong things or don't change the right things, um, or they try to go in a different direction. And I do think Stellaris is probably the best sci-fi 4X game in terms of combination of it's beautiful, it's interesting, and it's relatively accessible. But there's still, yeah, I don't know. I think it's really good, but I don't know. I'm curious to see how the new revised late game or mid game goes, but I'm not there yet. And I'm trying not to spoil myself. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll make Dodger work for our money, damn it, and tell us about the game she's been playing this week. You're watching the Corruptional Podcast, don't go anywhere. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Co-Optional Podcast, also known as the One Hour of Civ Talk. I'm sorry. It's fine, that's why I brought you here in the first place. Yeah, Plus, man. I want to talk about it anyway, so it's all good. Uh, I can keep reiterating the same points over and over again. People still listen to it. It's bright. just brilliant. Love it. <laughs> I guess I talk so much about it, they forget what I said earlier. So uh, it's all every old trick is new again. It's, it's great. However, we're not going to be letting Dodger slack off today. What have you been playing? What's been going on? Um, I'm looking up to make sure that I got the right. Yes. Okay. So uh, I was I was gone. I was in England, so I played a lot of mobile games. But sure. when we came yeah. back, uh, we started playing Atlas Reactor again because yep. the new character went live. So there's a new support named Sue Ren, and everybody is complaining slash laughing about how powerful she is. Um, she her her kit is like, uh, she she can like, I'm trying to think of how to explain it. She has a lot of abilities that are I buff you and in turn debuff someone else. So she has abilities like if I give might to one of my allies and that ally attacks somebody, then the person that they attacked gets a debuff and vice versa. If you debuff somebody and then they attack one of your allies, then your ally gets might. Um, interesting things like that. Or like her dash is that you dash to somebody and if it's an ally, then you heal them. If, if it's an enemy, then you attack them, but then you can uh, go off of that and then dash again as long as it's to the opposite. So if I dashed ah. to an ally to heal them, then I could immediately dash again to an enemy and attack them. So things like that. She's a little bit tricky. Sam's been playing a lot of her. I didn't play a ton of her, um, but, you know. <laughs> I have I I'm, I have my characters that I really, really love in that game. So the idea of, of sticking with a new character and trying to really figure them out when they're a little bit tricky didn't sound super exciting for me, but she is fun. She's really fun to have on your team because you know that she has she has like a, a free heal and stuff like that. So she's just generally very useful. <laughs> um, and her ult is a 
a big shield that she puts on people that lasts for two rounds that like explodes out. So fun stuff like that. Atlas reactor is still very fun. All their Halloween stuff is live. So if you want to play quark and be like a tiny little reaper quark, you can, and it's adorable. Um, so there's that. And then mobile game wise. Oh, Oh my God. Is Jesse getting his package? <laughs> His package for his package. I'm so... (laughs) Quill, it's all coming together. Um, Mobile game-wise, played a lot of uh, Gilded Engineering because that's on mobile now. And it's super fun on mobile, aside from the fact... He's off. off. (laughs) He's he's getting the package for his package. So exciting. It's it's happening! (laughs) (laughs) I'm going! I'm going! I'm going! Mm Mm-hmm. We gotta see these underwears. I know. I, I give feel them like free there's... publicity. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! I'm wondering if I should even keep talking, or just like if we should just BS until he gets back. I, I, th- I think it's more fun to have a sensible conversation interrupted by madness than to wait for the madness. That's fair. So. That's fair. So, Guild of Engineering, for those of you who don't know, is a game where you have a little hero that you don't control. You are given cards that you then place to create a dungeon and you're hoping to guide this little hero to enemies that they can defeat and loot that they can grab so that they generally get stronger and stronger and stronger and they're able to defeat a a boss. Um, So it's very fun and it's perfect for mobile. The game does force quit a lot, which really, really sucks. But it's constantly saving. So even when it does force quit, when you open it up to continue, you're exactly where you were in the dungeon. So it's not a huge deal. It's just kind of annoying, you know? Yeah. But um, I, I think when the, the version first came out, I ran into a bug where later on in the game, instead of when I selected a class to play, it would select a completely different one when I got into the dungeon, oh, like a lower tier one. And like the guy would just get slaughtered and it just kept happening. And I think it's just my save file is just broken. And the yeah. problem is I invested a good 20 hours, I think, in getting to that point, and I don't have the desire to start again. It's it's, it's a game where you have a base, you know, and that mm-hmm. allows you to buy stuff eventually, and that gives you access to better tier classes, more abilities and items and better stuff. Better weapons, and yeah. yeah. So you don't want to start it again, you know, especially considering you're playing the exact same dungeons. They're not, you know, really shuffled up, so... That right. was unfortunate. You are right, though. It is an ideal game for mobile. I think it was the. It's first, great for it. Yeah, I think it was the first thing I said about it when I first played it. And I didn't enjoy it the first time I played it, and I got into it later when I tried it again. Was why that, didn't you enjoy it originally? What was wrong with it for you? Um, I just I found it like uh, I was running into a lot of issues early on where I'm like I'm not losing because of my choices here. I'm losing because of bad luck, mm. and that does even out later on. Uh, somewhat you know because you do get a lot more options there uh but it was it was just taking i wasn't enjoying the experience of running the same dungeon over and over again to eventually like get an upgrade or whatever yeah but you know i i I tried it again especially on mobile it's like you know this is a it's a deck builder is what it is for the Mm -hmm. most part uh just with a different theme and and you're right as got into it the longer that you play it, you get classes that are a bit more interesting to play and also make it so that you have a bit more control over if I'm going to grab this item, it's going to help me in this way. And yes. it's going to help, you know, create the deck that I want. Rather um, than blind luck, which a lot of the early game, yeah. there is quite a lot of blind luck, you know, where you can just die and there's nothing you could have done about it. 
Right. It's just not possible because you just don't have the options and the items to deal with it. One of the things that I thought was cool, and I didn't realize it at first, is that when you get the mobile version, it comes with DLC. Yes, the Pirate's Cove. So, yeah, all the Pirate's there, yeah. Cove stuff is in there. Um, so Sam and I were playing it on the plane because, fuck, that flight. And yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it was it was kind of awesome. We were like, oh shit, we've got like we've got like the drunken sailor and stuff like that. And um, and again, the classes really do all have a very specific way that you're supposed to play them and very specific abilities. So the drunken yeah. sailor is kind of cool because um, if I remember right, it's it's a lot of cards where it's you take damage and you don't do anything yet, but you store like a melee attack, right? So it's like you get to store one extra attack for the next time you do melee. So you can just like rack up and be able to do like 11 or 12 damage all at once, but you have to just kind of sit there and tank it for a while. So stuff like that is really fun. If you have the right deck for, um, I, th I think it's called a paladin in the game. If you have the right deck for it, you're basically unkillable because you're constantly just regaining hearts yeah. <laughs> like, like you take damage but then the damage just gives you health and it's like really weird if you're able to again like build the deck that you want um but that game is very very fun i wish that it wasn't force quitting all the time that is mm -hmm. super obnoxious but that's the only issue that we have with it so far i don't think that we've run into the problem that you ran into yeah i didn't that I don't sounds think, i don't think awful. i ran into much force quitting either actually uh honestly yeah. uh but yeah, it's just, just Usually, a few bugs. A lot of times enough. the force quit comes to running out of memory on your phone too. So maybe a little something there. Yeah. I do. I play it on yeah. iPad Pro, which does have quite a lot of memory. So that probably maybe just doesn't have that problem. Yeah, we're on an iPad as well and mm. there isn't much on it. Weird. So I don't think that it's that. Yeah, not sure. But maybe, I don't know, actually. I haven't looked to see. Mm. I haven't looked to see, but there there aren't a lot of apps on there, so I would be surprised if that was the problem. That's a, that's a bit weird, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. There was a mobile game that we were talking about before the show, actually, that uh, you didn't know existed because it really sort of popped up without much fanfare, like I think last week, which is the new Plants vs. Zombies game. Yeah. Yeah, that really surprised me when you were looking down at your phone for a while, and I was like, oh, I wonder what he's playing. You were like, hold on, I got to finish this Plants vs. Zombies level. I was like, yeah. what? <laughs> I had no idea there was a new Plants vs. Zombies there is. game. Oh. There is, yeah. It's not the same, obviously, as the previous ones. It's not a tower defense game. Mm -hmm. it, it, it is a card game. And, and now people are groaning. It's like, oh, God, another fucking card game. Yeah. awesome. I, I love card games, yeah. but no, uh, but it is definitely like a push to like, can we make our game into a card game? Because Hearthstone's really popular right now. I will say, uh, you know, before you go, oh god, another card game. It it, it actually really does feel like Plants vs Zombies because everything is played in lanes. There are five lanes, just like Plants vs Zombies. It's vertical rather than horizontal, just because obviously they want to make it easier to play one handed on the phone or whatever. And it is turn-based. You either play as the plants or the zombies and you pick a hero. And apparently in, in this world, there are now plant and zombie superheroes, which it was kind of like from Plants vs. Zombies Garden Warfare 2 had that. So they expanded mm. on it. They actually took it like whole hog with like comic books and everything in the game that, you know, really going kind of for a superhero vibe for it, which is kind of neat. And you place a plant or a zombie unit in one of five lanes. Three of them are just regular lanes. One of them is up high, 
for whatever reason. And it depends on the okay. theme of the level as to why. Like, uh, if it's in, like, I don't know, in a forest, it might be, like, a hill or a mountain. If it's in a gymnasium, it's a pommel, you know, one of those horse things. Okay. For whatever reason. If it's in a garden, it's like, okay, you know, it, it's just sort of a mountain of dirt. And there's also an aquatic lane, which is like a swimming pool or a river or whatever. Right. Though you can only place certain units in the aquatic lane if they have the aquatic, like, uh, stat on them. Mm-hmm. And if you place units up higher, some of them get a bonus for it. Yeah, so there's, there's a little bit of decision as to where you put units. You can and have more than one unit in the lane? In certain circumstances, yes, you can. Um, okay. And you can sometimes have two. Uh, if the units are uh, have a team-up ability, you can put two in there. And there's certain tanking units that you can put ahead, like walls and things like that, which will usually buff the thing behind it or protect it. But the way that the uh, attacking works is that it the attacking just goes down the lanes from left to right and triggers all of the units in those lanes. And they both attack each other simultaneously. So you don't choose where things shoot kind of like Hearthstone, they shoot in that lane and that lane alone. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing about it is that it's kind of based in phases. The zombies go first, placing their zombies. Then the plants get to place plants and they can also cast abilities, but the zombies get to respond with a spell phase where they can't place, place units, but they can play what's called tricks, trick cards, which are okay. basically spells. Either some of them are secret, some of them are, you know, obvious and that kind of thing. And then at the end is the fight phase where everything that's in the lane attacks each other. And you can you kind of build your strategy around that. There's a it's a 40 card deck. And you get a ton of cards real real early on, which is nice. They just dump a bunch of common cards on you very quickly in the game. So you you have a deck, a full deck, very, very fast before you, you know, really get involved in anything online. There's a single player campaign. And the aim, of course, is to kill the opposing hero. And it's 20 HP per hero. Each hero has different abilities and certain cards they can play and access. And there's this weird little system in it whereby every time you get hit, you build up an armor meter and you randomly get one to three pips on the armor meter. When the armor meter is full, the next attack that hits you will be blocked and you will draw an ability card that you can either play immediately if you have the mana or will go to your hand. It's a, it's a similar, it's a little similar, it, it, it's a system, not a similar, that's a little system, a uh-huh. system that's a little similar to the way Elder Scrolls Legends is doing things right now. Okay. If you take a certain yeah. amount of damage, it, it's designed to like stop snowballing for the most part and do a little bit about uh, decks, which are just kind of about rushing and things like that. Uh, the problem is there's a bit of randomness to it. So sometimes your armor goes up and you deflect the one damage dude. Because you happen to gain your, like, fill your armor bar quicker than you thought you would. And sometimes you deflect the, the powerful shot and that's good. So it's a bit, it's a bit weird in terms of, in terms of that. What I will say is that art style wise, the game is fucking gorgeous. Like, mm. it's so polished and slick. that I thought, oh god, you can't have enough units in a Plants vs. Zombies card game to give them enough variety. I was apparently horribly mistaken on that one. <laughs> I have never seen such a weird fucking variety of both zombies and plants. <laughs> um, I I really enjoyed collecting my Fat Beats card, which is a DJing beat, because of course it is. <laughs> right, of course. It drops the beat. Ha okay. ha ha. It's, it's great, full of great. fucking puns. Bunches, like, every apparently every profession in the universe has a zombie type associated with it. So, that I've seen... 
many, many strange odd zombie types. The, the zombie mermaid was a little disturbing, I have to admit. That's definitely that's a bit weird. And they have a stupid grin on the face. They all have unique attack animations, loads of sounds associated with it. Like it plays like they just they invested a ton of fucking money and time into it. Like mm-hmm. it, it looks it's the only game so far, sort of in that casual card game genre that I've seen that I think is visually more polished than Hearthstone is. Man. It looks even wow. better than that. It's slick. Interesting. It's slick. It I don't know business model, how good it is, because you never know. The one thing I did notice is that some of your starter cards are obviously cards you should throw away later on because right. they are statistically worse than some other ones. Like, yeah, you start off often with like a bunch of, this is a one-mana card that's 1-1 one, one, and does nothing else. It's like, mm. oh, that's not balanced at all with this other 1-1 one, one card that clearly random does other filler, things. Yeah, yeah there's, there's, a, there's a bunch of random filler at the start. You do replace it quite quickly, you get a shit ton of quests to earn currency with. Like, it n- never stops, as far as I can tell. There's not just a few every day. It just drowns you in them. It's always giving you new packs and shit. Um, Plants vs. Zombies, like Garden Warfare 2, is quite generous in that regard as well. But, yeah, obviously it might end up being super shitty later on. Who knows? But, yeah, has a nice single player. It's it's worth it. It's worth a shot. If you, if Even if you d- you're not really into card games, it still feels enough like Plants vs. Zombies. To probably be worth a shot on your on your behalf, like it's it's not a bad game at all. I expected it to be really cloney. It's actually got a couple of original ideas in there. It feels a bit different, so not bad at all. Actually, worth it, worth a shot on mobile. Sick. What, yeah. What else have you been playing? Uh, yo, there's a Halloween update for Notice Me Senpai. So I got, I got all the Jesse, don't you even, you were the one who brought this game up on this podcast. The first time you were the only other person who has talked about this game. So what game is this? Notice me senpai is the game where you have a little cafe and you're trying to get all the boys to come in your cafe. Look, it's you not because I'm playing. Like it's hours. not because I'm playing it. You it's did. Everyone... I, I remember this conversation. You were like, "I'm playing it." Leyland's nope. playing it. Yes. Nope. I remember. First off, I would never play a shit game like that. Yeah. Trust me on this. Second, so, no, you just played negligee. So, someone hold on. Hold on, hold on. Someone find the podcast where Jesse talks about this game. Please do. You'll find out that I would never. I don't play mobile games at all. Anyway, so I play like I have like three on my phone. Anyway, uh, first off, TB, don't say I played negligee. I completed 100. You completed that game. I overheard the conversation. Thank you very much. By negligee, it. I did everything there was to do. I want to point out, thoroughly disappointed. Thoroughly disappointed. Not enough porn. What the That's fuck what did I hear. you expect? Here's the thing. For a porn game, there's maybe like two, three scenes. Very, The rest of it, you actually have to manage and choose employees. I'm not okay with that. Oh, no. Gameplay. Terrible. Ladies bang. I didn't want to see that shit. So whatever. Here's the thing. I got all the endings. 100% of it. Maybe one of the few games on Steam. I've gotten 100% of everything. Very proud oh, of it. Fuck. Don't question it. Deleted it from my computer. It never happened. Yeah. I'm proud of you. Well done. I've never heard of this game in my life. So, and it's best that that remains the case. <laughs> in Notice Me Senpai, there are two uh, new senpais that you can lure to your cafe. One is Vampire Senpai and one of them is Ghost Senpai. 
Um, all of the boys normally have names, but Ghost Senpai's name is a bunch of question marks. And the only time that he shows up is if you have the big skeleton hanging out. And then he just shows up and like rubs the skeleton and it's really weird. And the way that you get Vampire Senpai to show up is by putting out a big pitcher of blood. <laughs> it's like, all right, awesome. So everything in my cafe right now, well, it's a cat cafe, but then there's like a bunch of Halloween shit. Oh shit, oh no, you Senpai is trying to have a a conversation with me. I was gonna show you guys my cat cafe. But, I, um, but oh you no. Senpai really wants- I've truly I would never. How dare you oh, say I would go. play this game? Uh, How yeah. dare you say I would play this game? I've I'm got a little cauldron and I've got a messed up tree and a pumpkin oh, and a skeleton no. and a black cat. And then over here, we've got a broom and a giant spider. How dare you say and I would play this game? Blood. You How dare you? You I did, did not ever. I admit to my. I admit to when. I admit to everything from farting to playing shit games. I will not admit to this. I'm texting Layla. I will, I'm good. texting Layla right now. And you know what she'll say? My man ain't got no time to play that game. He's playing games where he's fucking lesbians in a lingerie factory. That's how I roll. Why not? Because one, there is no banging in that. Two, why do I want to bang? How do you why? know? You get you get little scenes with all of the senpais. What See? if one of them he's like? <laughs> See, that's how I know that I haven't played the game because I would have known that had that happened. Can you confirm that Jesse played? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't. Senpai. I don't. I don't at all. And I'm positive. <laughs> I'll, I'll await her answer when she wakes up. <laughs> Kristen, Kristen plays it. I don't. I'm also texting Kristen. <laughs> Kristen. Great. Great. Can you they confirm? <laughs> they won't confuse the past with, with reality. Can you confirm? That Jesse played Notice Me Senpai. I have never played it. I've never played Look, it. Okay, let me pitch. Okay, let me. Since everybody apparently has selective memory, let me pitch this game to y'all who are watching right now. If you played Neko Atsume, if you played Neko Atsume and you're None like, God, cats aren't enough. Why would I play this? Why would I play this? None of this sounds good. It sounds shit. I want to lure boys to my shit. cafe. Then no. you to get Notice Me Senpai because, okay, not only does I have a great currency system where every time a boy shows up, they just leave currency for you so you're not able to buy shit. Also, it goes against my like, belief in life. I never do this. Show up, boys I show up all the game. time. You like rack up all the senpais really fast. And you're like, what am I supposed to do after I have all the senpais? This is happening way too quickly. Well, guess what? The more that they show up, you eventually will have a special scene with them. They'll send this you a letter. This is the letter stupidest about thing I've ever heard. Why would I try this? They'll be like, oh my gosh, you've really opened up my heart. And then Why? you'll have a scene where you Why see would like, I play anime versions of them. And it's very special. Nothing about this says I want to play this. There's <laughs> nothing in this game that attracts me to it at all. Why would I play it ever? Because you loved it too much and you're ashamed. That's the only reason I can think of. What are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking? I've never played this game ever. Ever. Anyways, mm. that's it. That's all I have to say. Cool. Yo, so check this out. Uh, so is this about the underwear? Because if it's not, I don't want to know. 
Oh, uh, no. So, the so uh, if you want to know about the underwear, I went down. The guy was there, the same guy who was here Saturday when it was supposedly delivered. And I was like, yo, where's my underwear? And he was like, uh, I don't know. And so uh, it turns out apparently he might have put it in a, in a parcel locker, which means the key to said locker is in someone's mailbox somewhere. So right. someone has the key to get to my shit who may or may not be able to. I don't know who this person. So I'm back to square one. It's bullshit. This is bullshit. So, yeah. That wasn't what I wanted to talk about, though. <laughs> I, I, imagine, I imagine not. Although I, I am a, a bit disappointed it didn't lead to violence, I have to admit. It did not. No. That's so I got a phone. I got a phone number of the security camera company that I'm going to call, and I'm oh going to be like, "Oh my god, really? Tell me at, on Saturday at 12:10 p.m. when the, a package was delivered, what mailbox it was put into, so then we can figure out where the security. I'm on it. I got the number now. I'm calling them the minute we go on break. I'm going to be like, "Help me find this thing." I hope. <laughs> I hope the story continues to develop. I me really too. Do. I need to know all the deets. Well, I am I'm full full on with this. Uh, no, I PI over there. Watch Absolutely. out! Watch out! I don't I don't let stuff get away. I don't give up. Um, I have been playing a lot of PlayStation VR lately, mm. and I've come across an issue that I have with every VR thing, and I glasses. can't glasses. I can't tell if it's if it's me and my eyes or if it's like normal eyed people see stuff like <laughs> when I put it on, there's many moments where I'm playing a game. Where I'm like, Holy shit, this looks amazing. But there's other times where I'm like, this looks like off something's wrong. And so I start to adjust and adjust. And finally it's back to normal. And I don't know if it's because it's glass and then glass, mm. or if it's my glasses moving in the thing, like something's wrong. But then I'm like, how does this look for normal-eyed folk? Like, does it look kind of pixely at some points? Does it, like, I don't know. And it drives me crazy because I can't tell if it's a me problem or if it's a this is the problem with this it's, device. Um, uh, Go, Dodger. I was going to say that uh, the I wouldn't say that it sometimes looks pixely, but it definitely looks clear. And then sometimes we'll s start to fuzz. Yes. Start to, start to like warp, and I'm like, okay, something needs to be adjusted for sure. That it consistently stays yes. clean. That has happened with both the Vive and the Rift for me. And I mean, I do, I do need glasses. Broke my last ones, but I have I've used it with and without. It happens both times. VR has kind of a very specific sort of viewing angle where everything is clear. Outside of that very, very limited viewing angle, it does start to blur. It's especially noticeable on text. Yeah. Uh, I think there is a mm. there's a term for it, um, but I don't know what that term is exactly. It's, it is a real thing, though. Like, it's an issue with first-generation VR. It's not just for, gra for people with glasses. Everybody, as far as I know, has experienced it to a greater or lesser extent. Yeah. I tried yeah. to play when I was in England on the Vive... I tried to play a room escape game on the Vive and that was a disaster because I like I couldn't get it to ever look right and you start off in the dark 
Oh, God. So like the very first thing you're supposed to figure out is how to turn on the light so you can see everything. And I was like, what the fuck am I looking at? Did not those those things did not overlap very well, like just an inherent issue with visibility and also being in the dark. Yeah, some people call it the screen door effect. I'm not a I mean, that exists, but I'm not 100 percent sure that that's exactly what's mostly the about. gap between pixels that you can see. Yeah, it's a it's a visual pixel artifact um, mm -hmm. where the fine lines separating pixels become visible in the image. That does happen, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking yeah. specifically about a blur that actually, in in uh, my experience, ends up going in a specific direction because you lose the optimal viewing angle of where it, ha you know, the headset. There's an optimal place for it to be on your head, and it can, you know, it, over time it can slip. So you have to readjust and things like that. Uh, it it's never perfect on any headset. That in my experience that the rift is very very slightly better at it but not by much mm -hmm. so it's just something they're going to need to work on with future hardware it's not it's not real it's not like something that's uncommon as far as yeah. I, know. So I enjoy playing the vr games that don't require a lot of text re re reading i yeah. like playing um project cars it's yes. like really fun to drive around with that except when you're between races then you're trying to read the screen and i don't need my glasses to like see up close or anything like that so i take them off for the the rift but it's still still a bit of an issue Hmm. So what exactly, you know, you spent a lot of time on PSVR. What did you sink most of that time into? Which games? Uh, so first off, I fell in love. It's not even like a game. Um, Alumet is a, it looks like a, a like a stop animation or stop motion animation kind of deal, but it's okay. a movie and it's beautiful. And it's one of those things where you're like, you can look around corners and stuff. It's wonderful. I would say take a minute out of your life and watch that because it's super cool. Um, I uh, put a lot of time into trying the incredibly unscary but actually kind of fun uh, um, Until Dawn game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Russia Blood. I'm not even going to lie. It's just an on-rail shooter, but it's super effing silly and kind of fun. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good. Um, I... Finally took the time to play the deep dive shark game and it's and it's full. Um, you did that. the deep dark shark game. I'm so proud of you. I did it just so I never have to do it again. So fuck that yeah. game. Um, I uh, I'm trying to think of of all the different games I played. I played one Res. 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 Yeah. yeah. That was on classic on the Dreamcast. Really, really awesome. Uh, it's an on rail shooter with uh, uh, lock-ons, kind of like Panzer Dragoon, but it's all synced to the music. And yeah. the, the and further so you, you go in, head. the better the music gets. It's yeah, super you use awesome. your head to sort of point to different things, and you lock on, and you just make the music happen. And then there's different paths you can go, and uh, there's boss fights. Yeah. And this one boss fight, he becomes like a... It's a UFO that eventually like has blocks that come around him, and he becomes like a walking man. And then he like runs, and you have to blow off his little parts and... It's yeah. cool. It's, it's <laughs> big acid trippy music and visual. Super light show acid game. trippy. Yeah. In VR, I think that that sounds like it would be great in VR. Yes. Might burn uh, your retinas out, but it sounds like it'd be pretty fucking cool. The beginning, the the title screen, and I quote uh, Kristen from trying it out yesterday was, and I quote, "It's a naked woman. I don't know what to do. What's happening? That is that is how rest starts. It's like a right. it's like a pixelated nude woman." Like, it's so bizarre and weird. And I was like, I need to fucking play this game. So I played a good deal of it yesterday. 
And um, yeah, man, I'm starting to go through the the many games that are out there. I don't know if I'll jump on the like Batman VR thing. That seems like it'd be pretty. Well, boring. apparently, you only jump on that for about like 30 minutes and then that's pretty much it like it's yeah supposed to be really it's really really short yeah it's not like a game you just burn i don't know if i'd fast. be uh, i there's a bunch of I, I think the ones that are really good right now are the ones that are not really graphic intense but very simplistic actual games yes. <laughs> like yeah. oh this is a real game it just doesn't look it looks like a game you'd play if you were in a movie in a vr thing in the 90s yes yeah there's a lot of that yeah yeah that is true that stuff surprisingly does work quite well in VR, where you'd think it would be an immersion break, but it really isn't. Yeah. Nope, it looks great. It looks really cool. Most games of Vive and Rift are, are like that as well, so that's that's pretty mm-hmm. awesome. Um, I also have been dicking around with this. I know you got a message from them too, TB. The, the Toby Eye thing, have you tried that yet? Um, I had issues with it. I got sent a unit, and Quill apparently did as well. Uh. Um, it... Did it had problems with my USB connection? Like it, it just would not play ball. I, I, my new PC just arrived today. It's downstairs in the box, so I'm going to be setting it up after the show. I'll eventually plug it into that. So but, yeah, I, yeah, I had the exact same issue. I had to change which USB was plugged into because apparently there's a certain USB thing it does not recognize. I was like, ah, interesting. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think it's related to, like, when I was what, coming back to the Oculus, when you're doing the system check for that, and I have, like, USB 3 ports in my motherboard, they're like, no, this will not fucking work for you. You got to get an, uh, a third-party extra slot USB. And it was the same thing. I had to plug it into one of those to get it to work yeah. properly. I even, yeah. I even own one of those, and the Toby still wouldn't want to play ball with oh, me. Yeah. It could be a Windows 7 thing. I don't know. And, uh, it'll probably work on a new Seven? PC. We'll, maybe. I don't know. It, so something, I, something I, like I, it. I finally decided to, like, give this thing a test run this week. And I, I'm still trying to figure out like the uses for it because aside from when you when I look away my screen goes dark or like I'm trying to find out game uses and so the only things I've tried so far is I went to Deus Ex and so that is literally yeah, that like has native support for it as like you're looking at shit it 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 actually I think a little easier but I don't know how much it actually does because I was doing a lot of mouse movement too. Um, I think if you're playing with controller, then you get a lot of value because now all of a sudden you can aim like you're using a mouse. Even right, yeah. Uh, and then the, the other thing, is I was playing Master of Orion, and in Master of Orion, the way it works in that game is, like, let's say you go out to the, like, star map. If I'm looking at a planet, rather than moving my mouse over to it and then scrolling in, if I just stare at the planet and scroll in, I'm now on that planet. Or if oh, I go back out, mm-hmm. if I look to another corner of the galaxy and then scroll back in, I'm not on that planet. So you don't. So it's like little time savers, but not necessarily like game changing. But yeah. it's interesting. And I'm I, there's a bunch of other games they have that they support that I'm going to try it out with and figure out what this thing's good for yeah. because they're hyping the shit. Like this is uh, Alienware has it in their computers now. Like people are throwing this everywhere. I'm like, okay, but what is this? <laughs> so. It's it, you know, it'll yeah, be it's support for all like the Euro Truck American Truck Simulators, a couple of flight simulators. I haven't tried it with that yet, and I really want to because I think that would be quite cool. Because especially in those yeah. truck simulators, looking around in that game is a huge pain in the ass. And in flight simulators, I have played with like the head tracking IR, which Track is the IR, webcam. Yeah. So you just tilt your head and it moves the view, and it works surprisingly well. Um, and so I think that might be the same sort of thing for that. And it's like that's kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah I mean it's the it's. 
seems like it is a combination of a track IR like system, but also with the eye tracking, you can use it to focus on specific things rather than just general head movements. So it's got kind of the usage of both. It's it really, really uh, accurate. Like accuracy, like it, I, I, once you set it up and once you go through the process, I was like blown away with how accurate it was. And so when I went into games, I would just test like, I'm going to look a little off and see what happens. And it would react to that. I was like, well, all right then. So it's super accurate. I still don't know exactly what that super accuracy is going to be used for eventually. But it, I mean, the tech is there. I just don't know that there's support like game wise is yet. We'll see. Yeah, it depends how many games implement support for it that's actually tangible and useful. And you've got to be a bit careful with that because if you make that too useful and people, of course, don't have it, then that may cause an issue with the game. But if the game's fully featured, then you yeah. think, well, what can I add on top of this that will make this tech useful? It's not very expensive relative to other things. You know, it's it's about like a hundred, hundred and something mm -hmm. dollars or whatever. Uh, but yeah, it it's an interesting piece of tech, certainly. It's definitely the risk of just being used as a gimmick. Oh, totally. He sort of yeah, yeah. is Master Ryan. And full disclaimer, I did do a, like a paid advertising for for the Toby IX with the Master Ryan thing. But it felt very cool, but it also felt not important. Was that, wait, huh, was that you that I watched the video for to learn how to use it? Could be. I don't know. Thank you. It's really, it feels, <laughs> thank you for helping me figure out how to use it. Because I was like, how the shit do I use this with games? And then I just watched videos online and was like, get the fuck out. <laughs> My whole video, I've got like they've got this overlay to showcase how it's supposed to work, where they actually put like a purple marker where your eyes are looking. You're not supposed to use it when you're actually playing, but I thought that was super entertaining. I was like just driving this little purple blob around with my eyes. I'm like that, you need to make a game that's just that. <laughs> yeah. 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 The the one thing that I will say about that, which a lot of people aren't really addressing as well, is that there could be huge utility with this for people who have yes. actual disabilities. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's a potential huge benefit there, which could very easily be catered to, and I hope that it is. That mm -hmm. would be great, you know, being able to to use your eyes for you know, and for a lot of turn-based games and things like that that don't require speed. There's plenty yeah. of things that you could do with that, no doubt. I, know I mean, like that was my initial hope, is that having it installed on my desktop, I could just look at a thing, and it would start or some shit like that. I was like, oh, that'd uh, be amazing. That's not that the case. But <laughs> I wish it was, because that'd be so cool just to be like, look at it, and then click. And you don't have to, like, twice. Yeah, oh my god, that'd be great. I, I don't know about the blinking thing. I think that that, that would definitely bother me a little bit. Not, not yeah. massively key. You'd wind that. up accidentally opening shit and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I think... Um, I'm not sure if it was Deus Ex that offered this uh, in the part of the feature set. Uh, I'm sure there's at least one game that does where if you are looking towards the edge of your screen, it will expand out a bit more. Like it will sort of, uh, it changed mm. the field of view a little bit so you could see a little bit more. Uh, That's so, kind of cool. Uh, That's cool. Which mm -hmm. sounds quite subtle. That sounds like a feature that doesn't really have much use, but I could see that there, there could be a surprising amount of usefulness with that if properly implemented. It's a nice little piece of tech. Yeah, I ran into a funny bug with Deus Ex uh, with the Toby IX because it has a native support, but I had it turned off. I was playing it for the very first time, and I couldn't understand why I was having such a goddamn hard time selecting things. And I realized that in Deus Ex, they recognized that the API was present, but it, the game never checked to see if it was actually running. Ah. So 
it was trying to get the information and the API was just returning, you know, zero, zero. So it always thought I was looking at the top left corner of my screen. So oh, I actually weird. point that there. So I had to like, turn it off more explicitly. And then Deus Ex was like, oh, we'll just play normal. Yeah. So it would work fine if it was on or completely removed, but it was hmm. very frustrating. First, like 30 minutes of the game. I'm like, why am I so bad at aiming at this shit? <laughs> Yeah, He's we'll, constantly like dragging to anyway. one side. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, would, that would fuck you up, no doubt. We'll see. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a nice little piece of tech, and it, if people actually use it, they're definitely going to, it's going to come down to amount of support and how difficult that support is to implement for companies. If it's easy, you know, as you said, they already have an API for it. If it's easy to do and can be useful, then sure, why not? Yeah. They got a plug in for Unity, so I want to fiddle around with it at some point. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's things that you could definitely do with that. Now, Jesse, I think you've played this game. I went on a little bit of a rant in the Skype group. Oh, no. Oh, no. Last night about this. At Quantum Break. Hello. Oh, yeah. Quantum Break. So initially, I didn't touch that game because it was a Windows Store exclusive on Windows 10. Don't have it for that, so didn't play it. Also, the port was hot garbage. Like, it was one of the worst ports of the year. They eventually brought it to Steam, a DirectX 11 version, and the port is not so bad. Runs, runs pretty well, has decent amount of options, not too shabby. Uh, all right. Well, I'll finally get around to actually playing it. I'm I'm all multiplayered out. I finished playing a ton of Battlefield One. You wanted a good single player story? Yeah, mode. I, I want to like, go, go for single player. It, you know? Yeah, I'm playing yeah. you know a, a cover shooter in a little while. You know, let's give and I can't play Gears yet because I don't have ten. You know, uh, as of today, that will change. But let's give Quantum Break a try. So it starts off with a lot of walking. I'm like, all right. This is the standard AAA narrative bullshit of, I'm going to get to do something eventually, but until then, we're going to walk and talk, walk and talk, walk and talk. I'm like, okay, I have a certain tolerance for that. I'll put up with it because I know that's eventually going to change. And I'm hoping, like, you know, this game's going to have some awesome eventually. time mechanics that implement into combat and these choices and awesome time stuff because that's what it promised. Get through chapter one. You know, and my impression of it before the end of chapter one is right. Okay, it's giving me a few different time powers, and the combat it's okay. You know, the cover is automatic; you don't have to stick to it, and it works pretty well. The gunplay is inaccurate. I'll say that, like it was designed for console because it fucking was. Uh, as are some of the powers as well. Like they don't, they're not going where I want them to go, which it was a bit weird. But but it's okay. Yeah, yeah. The first power I got was like in uh, time field, which will freeze, and you have to use your middle mouse button for that, which is already a bit weird. I aimed it, and it's like it ended up over there somewhere. I'm like, what? I didn't put it there. That's weird. But uh, not not huge issues. I'm thinking, all right, I can see where this game is going. This could become really compelling in terms of combat. Then 25 minutes of live action video played. Mm, yeah. At which point I threw the fucking game down and have no intention of going back to it. <laughs> This this was part of sort of the early the early game marketing is we're gonna combine a TV show with a game, not the first time it's been done. Uh, more recent example being Defiance. You know they they had the mm -hmm. Defiance TV show be affected by stuff that was in the game and vice versa, which that made more logical sense. That's a transmedia approach, right? Yeah. And you don't need to either watch the show or play the game. It doesn't make <laughs> in much order of a to difference. enjoy the other. Exactly. Yeah. You know those changes that were made. They, they don't require that context. This time around, what they decided to do was we're going to film, I think, five 25-minute episodes of a Quantum Break TV show. We're going to shove a ton of plot and character development in it. And after each chapter, we're going to play it uninterrupted. Oh, 25 it's... 
five minutes. They filmed way more than that because depending on what you Uh do in the game, it'll be a different clip. Different one. Yep, they did. I think they filmed like probably about three hours of it, but you only see like more like an hour, an hour and a half. Yeah. And for all intents and purposes, it is a 25 minute cutscene. That's basically what it is, right? I mean, there's mm-hmm. outside of it not being rendered in the game engine, it may, for, for all intents and purposes, be a 25-minute cutscene. How do you how do you think I, I reacted to that? How, how tolerant? <laughs> am I known for being tolerant when it comes to cutscenes? Am I that kind of person? Mm. You've known me a while. You're more of a uh, doer. More of a doer, you're, yeah. You're more I, of a doer believe, than a sit-watcher. I believe, uh, if I can remember from Skype, you did, in fact, get so angry... You then went on to praise our one true savior and golden god, David Cage, (laughs) for his use of not having cutscenes in games that are very similar. I, I, I think I've defended David Cage games for quite some time. Like I thought, Heavy Rain, Heavy. If I was to make a top fifty, it would have to be a top fifty. But Heavy Rain will be in it. Heavy Rain to me was a pretty damn compelling game, and the first half of Indigo Prophecy, a.k.a. Fahrenheit, was... Oh, it's phenomenal. Phenomenal. Well, it's a little I, weird after that, but... A little weird. <laughs> the dog <laughs> ate the so script. Slightly. But yeah. I still like it. Uh, no, but it didn't really get too much into Beyond Two Souls, but I still admired what they tried to do with Beyond Two Souls, like, uh, in the sense that it, it had all... Uh, I, I used it as a great example of the idea of a um, implied failure state. You can't die in Beyond Two Souls. Like, even if you fuck up, you still keep to get get getting to go through the game, but you get suboptimal outcomes, right? Which I think is a is a really cool way of doing things, rather than necessarily just having a game over screen. So some games don't need a game over screen. Some games work better without one. Uh, so I, I'll, I'll praise him. I'll defend him on a lot of stuff that he's done, actually, especially when it comes to interactivity and giving at least the illusion of control. You. Oh, you. I will. I'll, I'll defend Come on, on board. That. Come on board the, the bandwagon. Because Get here's on board. the thing. Here's the thing. As Dodger <laughs> said, I am a doer. Or mm. perhaps a better, more common term is I am a gamer that likes to play games. Emphasis on the Where's word doer? play games, not watch games. I did not sign up for 25 minutes of that. And while you can skip it, there's so much of it that I could end up missing tons of key plot information. Tons mm-hmm. of it. The- they make it so that you, if you want to play this game and know what the fuck is going on, you have to watch it. Yeah. I, I you know, I really think that you do. Uh, even if I didn't think that, I wouldn't be certain. I mean, the plot of this game is supposed to be relatively complicated. I mean, you, you're fucking around with time. So generally speaking, if you're fucking around with time, you want to be paying attention because if you miss out on a key part of it, you could be like, well, what the fuck is this happening then? It is, it makes absolutely no sense. There is no benefit in my eyes to mixing non-interactive media with interactive media in that way. There's, there well, isn't. How does it, how does it help? Like, what I'd, does it do? I'd like, to, I'd like to throw some more insanity on this pile of, of craziness. By all means. Um, I first saw this game, I've talked about this for a while. I first saw this game back at Gamescom 2014? Maybe mm. 2013. I don't remember which one it was. Yeah. So it, it might have been 2013. And at that time, the game was nothing like the game we got. The characters were not the characters we got. So literally at some point, 
They saw the game and said, well, this shit ain't going to fly. Let's make it into a game slash TV show. That was their way of like putting all the pieces. How crazy is that? That is nuts. I mean, I think I think a lot of companies are trying to figure out how to do that. Um, They need to stop immediately. Did not work, though. Well, I I really like um, games where fuck. Is it called F- FMV? Where yes, like the FMV, whole the video. whole game is full motion video? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, they were big in the nineties. That's 90s. awesome. Yeah. Yeah, man. Seventh guest. Oh, what a time. great game! Yeah. yeah. It, it is a one of the hour. FMV games though. You Although know, which... that detective guy, what was his name? Shit. Oh, uh, there was a recent game. Uh, my brain just died. The Tesla effect. Tex Murphy. Tex, Tex Murphy. Murphy. Okay. Tex looking Murphy. At there. That's the one. The the shout there's... out to Contradiction. Their team's making a new game. They're yeah. making a new game? Oh. That's so sick. Here's, here's the thing with FMV games, though, Dodger. I'm sure you'll agree with me on this one. You don't ever have 25 minutes of not of no input. No. it's You are actively still involved. Yeah. Constantly. Those games are made from a lot of very short cutscenes that are kind of patched together. You know, and then you'll take an action or whatever. And you don't... It, it keeps the momentum going, right? Yeah. Having a 25-minute cutscene of any sort, outside of maybe at the end of the game, where I'd find that a bit that's a bit more acceptable, to have that be the ending, you know, Kojima's done it, it's not the worst thing ever, is inexcusable for a number of reasons. It is an interactive entertainment product. You don't want to have a huge amount of not only the storytelling, but also the time spent in the game presented in a non-interactive way beyond mm. the ability to you know pick a direction which i think is just like one of two and then it will play a different cutscene but of course they're both like 25 fucking minutes long or whatever that's one problem with it you know that uh, in my opinion is already inexcusable and kills my desire to play the game completely completely but the other issues with it is that it creates this weird disparity huge disparity between how the game looks and how the actual cinematics look Yep. Right. Because bear in mind, this game also has in-game cutscenes. So wow. some of the cutscenes <laughs> are in-game. Some of them are live action and fucking long as well. And then, of course, you have the gameplay, which doesn't quite look the same as the in-game cutscenes. Because, of course, in-game cutscenes, that might uh, I, I don't believe the ones in that game are rendered using the engine. They're pre-recorded videos. A lot of them are. They demonstrate animations and things that the characters can do that you can't do in the main game. So that already creates like a, a disparity. But you have a, now a third layer of crazy disparity. I'll give them some credit. Some of the faces look really similar to the live action <laughs> actors. The mm. main character, um, the the guy who is advising the evil or is he dude, and of course the antagonist. Very very close. Very accurate. But there are of course plenty of other characters that are not and even it doesn't matter because you get into uncanny valley territory in a big way there and it makes it even more obvious when the live action version suddenly pops up you're already feeling a bit uncanny valley and then it's like it definitely is here's the real person now you now you can't forget it can't you now you can't stop noticing it you can't stop noticing the difference Uh, you know the the kind of sad thing about it is that it's not that the cuts the live action stuff is bad the actors they've got are good and they mm-hmm. deliver their lines well. They do. You know, I, I was happy with that. But I didn't it's want not to a video watch game. do it. No, it's not a video game. Why, why the fuck would you put this in? 
Why? How does it how does it make the game better? Is what well, I ask. That's the first question. You've invested millions of dollars into this. How did it improve the game? It, well, it, again, I go back to it was added much later in the development cycle. Like this yeah. was something they can't like this was their crazy idea to get people to buy. Like I don't know what was going on there. Here's how, my problem. How does that work now? Like that's what you're using in the '90s when you used full motion video. Because like, wow, video in a game compared to the graphics, it's so so much better. You know, because they couldn't do proper lip sync and shit like that. So it's, it was almost a necessity. You don't need that now. Games look amazing. Yeah. I don't. The worst part is, is it, at its core, it's a game with a cool concept that. Oh, yeah. potential to tell a really good story. Love time travel stuff. Get me on yeah. anything with time travel in it. I'm on board. Also, like I, that fracturing effect that you actually it's see. Awesome. What a special effect! Like that yeah. looks incredible. I've never seen anything that looks like that. That's that's brilliant. But you know, back onto your point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at the at its core, though, it's a game that's not like the gameplay of the game is not terrific. It's a game right. that everything about it, I'm like, oh shit, this is up my alley. But yeah. it's a game that is unforgivable in how badly it's like put together. Like it's so, like it's such a shame because everything about it, you're like, oh shit, this is gonna be good. Until you get through it, and you're like, wow, that was such a slog to get the little bits that I wanted. It's like you have three different puzzles that all have minions from Despicable Me on them, but you mix up all the specific. pieces. <laughs> you all have all the pieces and you mix them all up and then you're like, surely I can take these pieces and create a puzzle that makes sense because they all technically have minions on them. It's like, that's I, not how puzzles work. I want to test this and I bet you every minions puzzle fits with every <laughs> minion puzzle. <laughs> I'm going to go on a limb and say, every scene, it doesn't matter where you buy them from, they all fit together. <laughs> I, I just don't know. It, it to me, like, they, they implemented it solely to say, hey, look, we're different. When yeah. everything done in those live action TV shows could have very easily been done in game, would have cost less money. With you playing it, with you yeah, literally playing you, you those You could have scenes. some input. Yeah, even if it's just QTEs. Mm -hmm. I'm not 100% against QTEs. I don't know where people got this idea from. I actually don't mind QTEs. In fact, I will tell you this. Ninja Blade has the most amazing QTEs of all time. All time! <laughs> you want you want a thing where you press X to ride missile? That's a game that lets you do that. You want a game yeah. where you hammer X to use your samurai sword as a cricket bat to hit a giant wrecking ball into the face of a 20-story evil spider? You mm -hmm. can do that. that Asura's Wrath is literally- Asura's Wrath, again. Pre press X to destroy person the size of planet. Yeah. Great. <laughs> done. To fight off a finger. To hold off a finger. The as giant finger. It it's is great. awesome. That is a game that is basically mostly QTEs, and yet I loved every last fucking second of it. But then along comes this thing, and it's like, you want to watch your 25, you know, you just got done doing the shooting, and you're feeling like you're pumped up, you got into the shooter trance maybe for a little bit, you just discovered some new abilities. Now stop playing for 25 minutes. No! Why would I want to do that? No, keep them separate. There's no, they, they have no business being together. Guys... Do you guys... Do you all remember Press F to pay respect? Those, those were good times, too. 
press f i'll take press f to pay respect over this shit as as wow. cringy and shitty as that was you know they, they at least maintain the illusion of interactivity there yeah there's there's some phenomenal QTEs, and people need to like get off that like they're garbage bandwagon. No, not all QTEs. They are can garbage. be awesome. They yeah. have yeah. yeah, especially when they're well paced. Mm -hmm. Especially when like the, the press X not to die takes away so much agency and makes it boring, and it's cheap it does. and lazy. Yeah. But press X to do something kick ass and cool that you can't yes. just like, navigate normally. That's different. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and again we go back to the David Cage thing where David Cage has made also the best QTEs ever. Because I mean, thank you. It, it has. Thank you. There for are saying that. There are Again, Indigo Prophecy's got some kick-ass stuff going on there. It does. There you are. You feel like a keyboard ninja. You do. There yeah. are. There are various subtle things that David Cage has done, especially in in um, in Heavy Rain. Heavy Rain, probably the best example of it, where he has made full use of the analog control system to create a more immersive interaction between you and the game through the physical interface. By that, I mean, he actually, a lot of those cutscenes are actually, acuities are not press X not to die. They are, oh, the, the, the one that really, uh, minor spoiler, I'll, I'll just pop this up. This actually had a real impact on me, probably did on you, Jesse, as well. Uh, this is, a, again, a minor spoiler for Heavy Rain that's been out for God knows how long. The process of sawing off your own finger is some yeah. There's some pretty fucked up stuff in that game. You have a choice at one point to saw off your own finger. That I'm not going to tell you why you have to do it. It does it, of course, through a QTE. But there are so many subtle little things about that. It's been done a bit in a Until Dawn as well. You remember the bits where like you've mm -hmm. got to stay stable. You know, there's, yeah. there's a bit of that in there too, and that worked very, very well. The soaring off of the finger, not only in terms of visual feedback, the button just, the button was shaking around and blurry. You know, they were, you had to make specific motions with with your sort of controller. The use of the rumble feature was subtle, but, you know, impactful there. Th there is actually way, way more to it than most people give, they give him credit for. And... I, I think that that game's done it. You know, there's so many natural motions. You know, opening a cabinet is an X to open a cabinet. It's make a sort of hand or finger motion that you probably would to open that cabinet and all that kind of thing. There's still clip. press X to Jason. I'll give you that. That's still fucking shit. But there's a lot. There's a lot of um, you know, even pouring fucking orange juice in that game feels elegant. I'm gonna clip so much of this episode, and when Detroit comes out and people are hating on me for loving it, I'm gonna be like. Well, your master, Total Biscuit, said the following, and the internet will be like, I don't know what to believe anymore! Hey, <laughs> you know, bro Brothers of Tale of Two Sons had some similar ideas in it. It's my favorite fucking game of all time. There, are, You don't have to I've be... I've still never played that, and you... Oh, God, what the hell are you doing with your life? You speak so highly of it. I've never fucking played hell. it. But most, you enjoy it. Most impactful experience I've ever had in gaming, mm -hmm. by far. There's nothing that mm -hmm. compares. Uh, but the... It, it, it's... But it's still interactive. You don't have to be fully interactive all the time. Although I'd certainly prefer a lot of games to let you do that. There's a lot of games that use cutscenes when they didn't need to because it's easier or cheaper. Mm -hmm. uh, they didn't have to program certain things that the character could do. But some degree of interactivity in an interactive medium is not too much to ask, you would think. Mm. So... 
I'm not. I, I'm. I played one chapter of Quantum Break. I don't really want to play any more chapters because I know that by the end of it, they're going to throw another twenty-five minute fucking piece of video at me. I, I, I have so many questions just about Xbox in general and what they're doing when their new update, like on the actual when you load it up on your TV, there's like. It's impossible to find shit. Your games are like in a box in the corner, and then there's ads <laughs> under the box, and you're like, "No, ads on your interface, man." It's so bizarre. You pay for the privilege of those ads. You pay five dollars a month for those ads. I can't. Mm. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what they're doing. Uh, it it just to me was like it, this is a game that we can sell a lot of copies on based on the fact that we make some cool adverts for it, but the combination of the live action and the the interactive stuff makes no sense. They, they're two things that don't go together. They're good on their own, but you don't put them together hmm. because they taste terrible together. It ruined, ruins the meal completely. I would have loved an interactive like FMV game with the actors and like you are I'd have played that. in the movie. That would have been effing dope. With the quality of FMV these days, I mean, that's that was the best thing about that new Tex Murphy game. Yeah, there yeah. was a lot of shitty things about that Tex Murphy game, like the actual interactive stuff. That has the lowest texture work I've ever seen in years, like some really shitty like models and stuff. But the, of course, the FMV, because technology has got a lot better, was a shit ton better than the previous yep. games. Much higher resolution, better green screen effects, less green screen artifacts. There are more and more games like that. A new one just came out where you're like trapped underground. It's like a horror game. And I was like, I need to find Dodgers who can play this shit. Like there's so many, there's so many new games like that that are coming out that just, I love them bringing that back. Thank God yeah. for, for cheapo cameras that can film really well now. Yeah, exactly. The advanced technology in that respect, you know, makes that you can make better stuff cheaper. I mean, fuck mm -hmm. the, what was it? Um, Hardcore Henry. If you look at the actual budget for Hardcore Henry, what they accomplished with basically GoPros and almost no money in, I think it was Russia. Amazing. Amazing what they managed to pull off there, considering. And everything does like motion tracking out of the box now. Like you can do so much work. It's amazing. Absolutely. Add CGI really, really cheaply and easily into things. It's it's ridiculous what you can do with a fucking GoPro, for God's sake. It It's insane. But yes, I say, I quantum broken more like it like, <laughs> yeah. quantum fucked. it wants me to take a 25 minute break yeah no mm -hmm. yep. quantum should have been broken up into two separate things entirely not put together mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. yes more more goops i i'm Go not deeper. sure i've got any more that might be, that might be my limit uh, let's take a quantum commercial break. And when ah. we come back, Nintendo Switch is our agenda for the rest of the show. You're watching the co-optional podcast. <laughs> Don't go anywhere. I promise this break will not be 25 minutes. I promise. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Co-optional podcast. We're going to spend the rest of the show pretty much talking about Nintendo Switch. That's the big news of you know, the month, big news of the year, really. There's Nintendo Puppy Dog. It was a three-minute announcement. It was a three-minute announcement. <laughs> Although it did, it definitely got the it got the concept across though quite well in about three minutes. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's like a little commercial. Yeah. So I'll give a quick overview of what the thing is for the people who haven't been paying attention, and then we'll talk about you know what we what our initial impression was, our, you know what we think the viability is where Nintendo needs to go with it because we love to be armchair CEOs when it comes to that sort of thing. 
Hey, I've been oh, watching yeah. a ton of House of Lies. I'm basically a management consultant now. You know, it's, <laughs> that's how it works, doesn't it? So, uh, you know, we, we've been hearing rumors about the NX for a long time. One of the rumors that stuck and was quite prevalent was that it would be some sort of hybrid between a portable and a home console, which is, it turns out, that is actually what it is. You know, everything else pretty much turned out to be kind of bullshit, but this this was correct. And the machine is a portable system that you can dock and easily undock very, very quickly. It can. It, there's a, a screen that can be taken out of the dock and it has a controller that you can attach to either side of it. So it slides in. Alternatively, you can take the screen, stand it up and use the controllers wirelessly so you don't have to connect them to that. And that is pretty much the gist of and it. They get the uh, little plastic case you can sort of slide the two controllers in so it feels yes. like a traditional one. Yep, yeah. pretty much. Um, it's not the first thing to do this. I let me. Let, do I have it right here? Maybe I do. Well, give me one moment. I. I will. Shall I show you the prototype of the Nintendo Switch? Thanks. I love the fact that he said <laughs> it's a portable game that you can dock uh, rather yeah. than yeah. vice versa. That's Here what it is. is. That's totally yes. what it is. Uh, totally welcome is. to the Nintendo Switch. <laughs> That is the controller case for the Razer Edge tablet, mm -hmm. uh, which was a gaming tablet released like two or so years ago that said we could do a full-size gaming power computer in a portable format with mm -hmm. real controls. Their solution to giving you real controls was this giant monstrosity. You put the tablet in. The tablet's fucking huge, by the way. There's a second battery in the back of this. Second lithium-ion battery, which doubles the battery life of it. And it has a full set of controls. Two analog looks sticks. Like, looks like, like that's that. getting a lot of use. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't get used much anymore. I admit, I used it a lot when it first came out. The problem is, of course, it's a very expensive piece of hardware and then never updated the hardware. So at the time, uh, Razer it was like, sucks. what? Razer not updating their stuff and then making new stuff instead? What? Yeah, it was like a you know, weird kind of experiment for them. At the time, the specs on it for a tablet were B-Slim. It's an i7 tablet, which at the time didn't exist. The Surface 4, like, kicks its ass now. But a couple of years ago, that was super powerful. And it had an actual graphics card in it. Not a great one. It was uh, 600 series, six. It was, I can't remember what exactly. Uh, with NVIDIA graphics card in it, you know, decent memory, SSD in this fucking thing, super powerful, and also like two and a half grand or whatever. You know, not cheap. But at the time, it would actually play a lot of games. You know, I was playing Devil, the new Devil May Cry in it at above 60 frames per second on medium. For a fucking tablet, that is insane. <clears throat> I took this on planes and it was ideal for plane journeys. You know, people looked a bit weird at it, but who gives a fuck? Now I take VR on playing journeys, look at me even weirder. But I don't know, because I can't see them anymore. It's great. Uh, <laughs> you know, it had the battery life for a plane journey if you had the controller case. If you didn't, you're looking at, like, an hour at most, you know, of if you're using actual, like, high-end games. If you're not, it will last a lot longer than that. And it was a Windows 8 tablet, you know, with the full Windows 8 operating system on it. Nothing reduced. Uh, yeah, so that, the, that was quite similar to the switch uh the switch obviously is like almost 10 times probably going to be almost 10 times cheaper than that the technology yeah. has advanced an awful lot it's got a mobile gpu in it but uh it's, well mobile apu i guess you'd call it whatever because it's kind of combination but it's a uh, it's the latest nvidia tegra 
Mm. And Tegaro's stuff is pretty good. We've yep. seen it in the Shield, the Shield tablet, the Shield television, and this is supposedly. I, I think the. I don't think they've confirmed. I'm not sure if they confirmed it yet, but I think they said it might be the Tegra X2 in it, which is like the latest and greatest. You know, it's it's uh, spec wise, it's pretty good for what it is. But of course, it's the issue of this is a portable with like things like battery life and all that kind of thing. I, I, when you were getting that, I was saying that I think you nailed like something that a lot of people are not saying that this is a mobile system with a docking station. Everyone's like, yes. it's a, it's a, it's a home system that you can take mobile. Like that's not what it is at all. It's the, no, it's the opposite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I know you're paying a lot of money for the screen. You're sacrificing a lot of power for the size the, the form factor. It doesn't mean it can't play the games, but right. the primary concern has to be the mobile component. I mean, data-wise, it totally makes sense why they did this, because they have had so much success with their handheld stuff. Yes. Um, so the fact that they said, okay, well, how do we bring all of these people who really love what we do on handheld systems, how do we bring them into like our bigger market? I'm excited to have it for like plane trips. Like for travel, this seems perfect for me. I, I don't know if to make it a success, but... Look, anybody who's been watching this podcast for a long time knows that I have griped over and over and over again about Monster Hunter, and how I really want to be able to play Monster Hunter on a big TV again, and apparently that's what this is going to give me, so like I'm cool with it on that level, but in terms of, of using it when it's all like put together, it looks awkward to me. It doesn't look... I don't know. I this is one thousand percent something I will not purchase. Like I uh, have no need or desire to have more game. Like there's gaming time, and then there's I'm no longer gaming time. And the idea that this is one of those like, I mean the ridiculous, the, like the ridiculous scene of in the trailer where that girl takes her thing to the party. Yeah, yeah. I was like that would never happen in my life. I I will never do that. Like. I- I have a, I, I to some degree disagree on this. Uh, I will buy it, and the reason I'm going to buy it is not to bring to parties because who the fuck do you think I am? No, it's to bring to fucking nerd conventions and trade shows that I'm at, and to be able to just throw it down and say, you know, hey, let's play a round or two of some silly couch co-op or versus game. Like, I'm Did talking they talk like about the multiplayer. Like, they they showed you know the basketball scene where they've got two of them sort of back to back. Like, is it oh, the wireless Bluetooth? Like, it looked like they were playing against each other. Um, they were. Uh, they were. Yeah. You can split the controller up. And right. One, that, yeah. And, and on obviously certain games, you can turn it sideways and use it kind of like the Wii which yeah, is really basically cool. an NES controller for all intents mm-hmm. and purposes. You know, you've got a decent number of controls that, but there is apparently an analog. I think I think there's an analog stick on each as, this time as well, so it's not. Yeah, as and with the symmetry, it's kind of cool because both sides are exactly the same in your hand. They it's look neat. like it, and it uh, seems to also pair with other nearby devices. So you can I like, assume it will. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. if it only supports two player and doesn't go up to four with wireless controllers, then that kills the whole potential of it. Because what I'm thinking of with this is I'm thinking this is a portable device that I can throw down in a convention setting or whatever and play stuff like Towerfall and Overcooked and Samurai Gun, you know, those those four-player really mm-hmm. awesome couch co-op or couch versus games that I would love to play, but they're at home 
on a big screen TV. They're I, not. Yeah, you want to play it around nerds. Me. Yeah. 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 I can see that that's the appeal. I just think I'm not the target audience. Like I, I, I get what you're saying. And I would gladly, if you brought it, I'd gladly play. If a friend had it, I'd gladly play it. But it's something that I don't know that, I mean, I have consoles and shit now that I already, like, I, there's so much stuff in my life. That I'm just like, I don't have time to play any of this. When I leave, I don't want to be inundated with it even more. So I think this is just one of those things where there are certain audiences, like everyone in the office will eat this shit up. Everyone who works because there. Because they fucking love Nintendo. Yeah. This shit will <laughs> be, is this is like, they have not stopped talking about how hyped they are for this thing since it, it was announced, which is fine. Just on my end, I'm like, okay, I get that it's cool. It looks cool. Fuck, I want to play Zelda much of the next person, but this product is not a product that I'd be like, that I'd ever use like the way it's intended to use. If I did buy it, it would sit over there All right the by dock. my TV and never move. Ne- not, it would not be separated from its dock once. And if that's true and you, you know, you don't use it like that, it's still a docked Nintendo console. We don't know exactly how powerful because right. they did confirm the dock does not contain co-processing and stuff like that. It's not right. going to suddenly become a super console when you plug it in. There are a couple of things it can do. You know, it's not limited on power consumption when it's plugged in. The dock may have some form of active cooling. The CP, uh, it's not even a CPU, it's not an APU either. It's some other fucking word that I've forgotten. You get the idea. You know, the thing that makes the games play, it will, it, it may very well underclock when you're moving around mobile with it to save battery life. So that might be the difference. We know, uh, from what we know at the moment, it's likely the screen on the thing will be 720p, but it will still output 1080p, which a lot of tablets also do as well. And depending on what game it is, obviously, you know, it depends on whether or not it'll do that and what frame rate it'll run at. It's still, it's still a home console per se. It can still act like one. It's obviously not going to be as powerful by any stretch of the imagination as the existing stuff. And especially not by you know by the time it gets out, the PS4 Pro will already be out, and Scorpio will be close. But was anyone really expecting Nintendo to try and compete on a power level with those two, and try and like take the living room back? Because that war's already lost. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. Sony won it. I think it's also a a very interesting look into Japanese culture as well, because mm-hmm. mobile gaming there That's is That's a huge. big deal. And so that is true. You know Nintendo is focusing. Most of the stuff that comes out of Japan is focused on Japan. So so they're concerned about the Japanese market rather than whatever the hell we care about. So it's interesting. It's a very cool look into like what's going on in Japan and how they're like, it's a console, but you can also take it places, which is something that the Japanese market's really into. So That's a place where Monster Hunter cafes exist, you know, and the, yeah. the DS, the 3DS obviously still very popular, but also mobile gaming over there is still very popular on actual smartphones. Mm-hmm. The console market over there is flagging hard. It used to be traditionally the mecca yeah. for that. It's not anymore. It's that simple. So for Nintendo to try and go for a market that in their home country is already showing signs of decay doesn't make a Makes great no deal of sense. Mm-hmm. This this makes a bit more sense, certainly. There are arguments that you're saying, well, 
aren't you cannibalizing the 3DS audience to some extent? But that machine has been out for quite a while. Yeah. The 3DS is also, not new. <laughs> the 3DS audience that I know own numerous 3DSs. Yeah. <laughs> they buy new ones just because it looks cool. Like, that's the 3DS audience I know. So this is not an issue with that at all. Um, Nintendo also, I think, consistently in their branding has wanted to be able to say, like, this is a way to bring people together. This is a way for our families to come together. This is a way for friends to come together. And saying, this is a, a handheld mobile device that you can also bring to a person and then separate it in order to play with other people. Um, I think being able to integrate that message is really appealing for them as well. Yeah, you don't both need to have a DS or something like that. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And they've been doing that since we, like maybe mm-hmm. even N64. Like they've been promoting that idea of it's for playing with other people and not just being alone in your room. And there's the social aspect to what we're doing. And so it makes my own consoles. I play games on a computer. I have party stuff on the console. Absolutely. Yeah. You're 100% right. Yeah. Uh, to the be other thing like... too with this is as I get older and my eyesight gets worse, I'm going to appreciate the slightly bigger screen. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think that's their market, but that's where I'm starting to think because I'm getting, I'm getting to be of a certain age. <laughs> yeah, those things are uh, a three. The 3DS is, uh, outside of obviously the XL is is it's a bit small, you know. Uh, but people are talking about kind of about the size of the thing of being impractical. I disagree. I, smartphones have been getting bigger for quite some time, and I'm not. Oh God, I'm going to use the word, aren't I? Phablets have been a thing. Get out. Get, get, just get out of not here. Not only get no, out. That's a real word that <laughs> no, no, douchebags no. have used. Get out of here. Get out of here. Big phones, you know, the, the kind of hybrid... Uh, this isn't... It's not quite a phone. It's not quite a tablet either. P- See, I originally parsed that as a fabulous tablet. I mean, <laughs> you could argue that it's a fabulous tablet. <laughs> no, I think I think, we, I think we all forgot that it was probably PH instead of F. Yes, I was like, absolutely PH. Yeah, fabulous, I was like, fabulous tablet. fabulous tablet? Fabulous tablet. <laughs> <laughs> They've used it's it. Uh, See, God damn it. My entire subscriber base is leaving now. This is my fault. I should never have done this. <laughs> what did I do? It's a word they've. It's been used in real fucking speeches by real nope, people. I did the first not just make I've that ever up. heard say that. It's a, <laughs> it's, a, it it's, a, it's a weird thing. It's your word. But phones aren't getting smaller. Like we're already using phones that are five to six inch fucking screens anyway. A seven inch is not a big increase in size. Is that a huge deal? Are people saying this is suddenly impractical. I don't think so. No. I wouldn't say so. Uh, uh, to me, this is like this. This is like a, a coffee shop gaming sort of thing. You go, yeah. you go into a Starbucks with your fucking friends to drink a coffee or whatever. Break that out for a five or ten minute session of something, and there's no no real reason why not. The kickstand bit on the back is like, if anything, that's the one of the coolest parts I think. Which is like that scene where the kid like just puts it down on the plane. I was like, yeah. well, there you go. Yeah, Boom, cool done. use for it. And. Yeah. That it's fundamentally different from tablet gaming because it has physical fucking controls, yeah. mm-hmm. which is fiddly. Thank God. You know, th- there is some controller support. Uh, iOS has problems with it. Android's a bit better for it. But these tablets are generally not designed for that. A lot of games don't support the controllers very well. And there aren't even necessarily titles to play with them. 
because mo most of these games are developed with the idea in mind that most people don't have a controller. So yeah. you develop a, a game that is touch-focused. If you can develop higher-end portable games that are focused on physical controls, to me that is a good thing because I am fucking sick of touchscreens for the vast majority of genres. There's a mm -hmm. few that they work fine with, but most of them, no, they're, they're shit. Yeah. They've, they're, that, mm -hmm. I, I made a pretty, uh, pretty big argument, about, I think it was about six months ago, that the control method is what basically limited most genres on, on mobile devices. Not power, not power, but the inability to have physical fucking control. Absolutely. I want that. Mm. I absolutely want that. People ask me if I can fit a seven-inch screen in my jeans pocket. Yes. I don't wear skinny jeans. The fuck do I look like? Absolutely, I can fit in my, my jeans My phone pocket. ain't bending. Cargo, cargo trousers? No doubt. Absolutely. Cargo, cargo jean shorts is all I wear, guys. <laughs> I, have so many, I have so many pockets. You don't even know. I got pockets oh, in lots pockets. Of, lots of pockets. Not, not to mention the fact I might just have a backpack or something with me anyway. Yeah, I, I've got big pockets. Shout yeah. out to all of the women's clothing companies that make pockets that aren't actually pockets. Fuck them for that. Fuck yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I hear that complaint every week from my wife. It's like, oh, God, I'm going to go do this. Oh, I don't have pockets. Can you carry my stuff? Like, ah! It's, a, Wait, all, it's, all a it's all a conspiracy by big handbag is what it is. That's what it is. <laughs> it is a conspiracy yeah. by big handbag. Fuck big handbag, man. It... Yeah. Like, what the f- They're like, okay, well, it's unflattering, we think, when you can see the outline of a pocket underneath the skinny oh, jeans. So what please. if we just, like, don't have a pocket there? But it looks weird if there's, like, nothing there. So, like, we'll make it look like there's a pocket, Fake but there's pocket. no pocket. It's like, fuck, fucking stop. Fuck those people. Stop. Fuck that. <laughs> you had, like, a kind of a breakdown and then came back from the edge. You are like, <laughs> Yeah. So, sort of, um, what else is there to really say about it? Like, you know, some people are not going to agree with the usage scenarios for it or not see a main usage scenario for it. Uh, it's not, it depends really kind of how they market this. If they market it heavily as a portable device, people <laughs> who, you know, want something for the TV are going to assume it doesn't even do that. They've got to be quite careful. Uh, I think that their first three minutes of video did emphasize, yeah, you can plug this into a television, no problem, it's easy, you can do that. And obviously it also serves to charge the device as well. There's nothing stopping you doing that. Hmm. Um, it, it, can, it could be a confusing message. It's like, well, is it a portable, is it a home console? It's both! It, okay. <laughs> ah. Oh, all right then. <laughs> cool, we'll see how that works out. Power I don't think any of this is going to matter when the new Zelda comes out. That will sell every one of those consoles. People it will, will it, jump on that. I I am like, oh, God, maybe. I'm just going to steal one of Gerard's copies. <laughs> whatever. Grab it that way. Yeah. I. This is. They've been holding off games that they shouldn't have been holding off in order to ship this thing. So this will ship, and it will do very, very well. I don't know if its longevity will last, if there'll be things for it. But people will buy it in order to play the things they've been waiting forever to play because they're so big. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Nintendo fans will absolutely, <clears throat> uh, you know. But the you know, the Wii U was generally you know not considered very successful, uh, and even and that had a ton of first party support and it had a ton of great Nintendo games on it. It was not enough to save that machine because the third party support was completely not there. There is a promising amount of third party support 
out of the gate for this by the sounds of it. But then again, the Wii U had a ton of that too, and it rapidly disappeared. Yeah. Um, I think it will. It, it's potentially attractive to a lot of developers because having a more portable device, they could still kind of they could still put their free to play games on this machine. We don't know yet if it has a touch screen. I, th- I don't think we know. I don't think we've even talked about that. I, I don't believe I they hope have. Not. Not I hope yet. not too. I mean, I don't see the harm in it having one as long as it's not necessary and all the games still support controllers. Like, what I would hope yeah. is they force a developer to you to have controller support, even if you know they. But Nintendo loves to be like, we included this feature, so boy, would it be awesome if you actually used it, rather than. Sony, which has that fucking giant button on the top that no one uses anymore. Oh, that thing, like, yeah. Yeah, that trackpad thing. Yeah. Uh, Nintendo's like, please, we would love it if you use this. Thanks. Mm. So, but, you know, I don't... That. I think that the, you know, the, this is a, weirdly enough, a less gimmicky console than the last two they made. I, I made that I, argument, I'm even with though... You. I'm with you. Even mm. though it's got the whole portability, woo, you know, attached controllers and stuff, it's still... it's You can see the practical reason behind it. It's useful totally. for all games. To it's be able way to take less game. what the fucky than yeah. the Wii felt and the Wii U felt. Still Third think party... that they're maybe the worst at naming their the stuff Switch? Ever. Do you think the Switch is a bad name? I don't. I don't hate it. It's fine. I don't think I it's amazing. It first, but now I get it. Yeah. It's it's fine, I it's guess. Fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's not, not exciting. It's not it brilliant. That's the word. It's not exciting. But it's not yeah. fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. It maybe it's maybe it's not stupid enough. Maybe it has to be dumber. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fine. I, yeah, I, it's... I just I, I see like a machine that is easier for third parties to support and they don't have to include some gimmicky bullshit to make things work. Uh, there, there could be performance problems on the system, obviously, because it, it is a bit underpowered as far as we know. That That's always been an issue with third-party stuff on Nintendo when they've decided to do it, that it can often <clears throat> run like arse. But I don't think it's anywhere near as hard to support. You can play this on the go rather than, we have a screen within a screen on this controller and you better do something with it or we've got gyroscopic motion control and we really want you to use it in some way and a fucking ir sensor thing and all that shit but at least at least it had the mix set like their naming makes sense like when we came out we as in we're all playing this together and like you can see where they were going yeah but people shit themselves at the time they're like oh we's a terrible name yeah, right, right, because right. it sounded yeah. like you were like, talking about peepers. Yeah. Well, plus, weird. Was, people had convinced themselves it was going to be another name. It was the problem. Yeah. The yeah. game that was out. I can't remember what it was, and everyone was like, this is the greatest name. Revolution then, was its code name prior that's to That's what it was. And they're like, that's super cool. I'm like, well, Revolution is a really cool, like, code name if you're trying to sell it to, like, Dolphin was in there as well, dudes. right? Yeah. Like, that's not what Nintendo's doing. They're going for that's, the Wii family. Yeah. 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 They're going for the family. Parents, the Wii. Yeah. We was when I was like, my mom was like, should I get a Wii? Those look great. Not even for like, just like, I want to get a Wii. And it goes back. And then NX going into Switch, it makes sense. I think Wii U is kind of what the fuck are you doing? But at least you can see they understand what they're selling. And they're like, this is like, hey, audience, this is how simple it is. You're switching how you're playing this. It's, mm-hmm. It makes marketing wise, it makes sense. And it's not confusing. People will get it immediately what this is. Yeah. Um, 
I, I, <laughs> but, but you're right. The name they chose is a fine name and it makes sense, but it's not like, oh shit, I'm so excited. <laughs> I get that shit. But again, yeah. not, not being marketed at us as edgy individuals. Oh <laughs> yes, we are, we're known for our edge. So. Yes, as all of the edgelords in this room. Um, it's being marketed at, at families and at friends and, you know, none of us have friends, so no, we wouldn't understand. Just, just people we use to get YouTube videos yeah. and views. I, <laughs> I'm glad you just finally came out and admitted it after six years. That was great. It, to, to me, it looks like, it also looks like a very indie friendly machine. Because all of those all of those games that look great on Steam and then come out without fucking online multiplayer, you could easily run on a system of this of this uh, power, yeah. no problem at all. If mm -hmm. they properly support that, and mm -hmm. they you know they actually make a store that isn't awful, and properly support their indie partners, they could sell quite a few copies of things like games like Towerfall, games like Overcooked and all that kind of love is in a dangerous space time all that sort of thing <clears throat> and that would be a great system to play those on because of that portability and ease of setup and teardown and something i could just have in my backpack and just you know break out at a, at a <clears throat> convention or whatever i find it very interesting that when everybody went into the motion control space right and now everyone else is going further into vr and nintendo has taken a step backwards yeah yes five um, years ago it's it's just interesting to me you know they really have sort of taken themselves out of the race and trying to be but their I own think this, thing this goes know? back to japan i think this goes back to what the japanese market wants and as far as i can tell vr is not like a thing people are into there well, there's a big reason for that. I mean, especially when it comes to room scale, they don't have big rooms. That's why the Connect bombed over there as well. I think there was a stat that said, on average, the vast majority of Japanese households would not have the space to use Connect properly. Right. Even if they didn't already hate Xbox, that's the same with room scale VR as well. Sure, you can do seated, but that's not that's not the whole experience by any stretch. The space is at a premium over there. Commuting mm. is a big thing, and being out of the house in many ways is as well. I'm sure there'll be very successful, lucrative VR cafes, but it's not gonna be something that they use in their houses a lot, probably. Yeah, there was a video actually by Super Bunny Hop, who's been on the show before, that actually showed they already they already do that. Um, there are arcades expanding into VR experience and stuff like that. Obviously Japan's right. you know, still very big in the arcades, all that kind of thing. And it, it, it does make a good amount of sense, you know, because you can't really use that at home. Plus, mm -hmm. again, most of the good VR is on a PC. PC not exactly exploding over in yeah. in there right now. You know, it's all about smartphones and all that kind of thing. Such a different world. It is. Such a different culture over there. Yes, indeed. And we get to experience it here yes, with do. video games. That we do. <laughs> it. What? So what do you reckon about... You know, let's throw out a prediction here. Is is this going to be a successful system? And if so, what do they have to do to make sure that it remains that and it doesn't just have a, a brief spurt and then fall to pieces? Because the Wii U didn't start off terribly 
but it got real bad really fast in terms of its sales. You know, I think this thing's going to blow up. I think this, uh, even though I'm not going to get one, I think from everything that I've seen, the excitement levels are pretty high. Everyone seems really interested in the games it's going to offer. And uh, depending on when they release it, this is one of those things that if they launch it at the right time, this could be something that a lot of people, especially younger kids, are going to be like, can I please have that? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Rather than an an overly expensive PlayStation or Xbox. That's fair. Yeah. I'm not much of a console gamer, but this actually has me interested. Uh, mostly because, again, as I say, usually I look at consoles for party gaming kind of stuff. And I got that covered. I got my Guitar Hero from, you know, four years ago. Still runs, no worries. But this is something I'm like, oh, I can play this in bed. I could play this when I'm traveling. It's quite cool because I do actually bring my DS and my smartphone with me and do a little bit of gaming on that. But I can actually use something a little bit bigger. But that's not like a laptop that I got to unfold. So mm-hmm. it might actually be perfect. Since I don't, I don't personally own a tablet. So this might be what I have to fill that gap. Perhaps, yeah. We're interested to see what kind of tablet functionality it will have sort of on its own as well. That hasn't been expanded on too much. Although someone did point out in the chat that they are saying... If you make a game for this thing, you've got to support physical controls. Like, even if you're you're going to make a touchscreen game, you've got to also have physical controls. Great. Uh, so, which is great. That's good. Yeah. Uh, I don't even like using the touchscreen on DS. No, no, I don't use touchscreen on DS either at all. It's like, uh, the only time I do is like when they design it just so you can sort of thumb at it. Like it's a, just a big button. It's like, well, why can't you just bound this to A? Like, how is this helpful? <laughs> I don't think I've brought the, broken the stylus out for the 3DS in ages. You know, controls, mm-hmm. uh, the physical controls just feel better. Mm. The the reason that I'd buy it as a PC gamer is that consoles right now offer me nothing that my PC can't already do better. And the advantages of console mostly evaporated this, this time around. The idea, you know, that a console is plug and play. It fucking isn't. Not yeah. anymore. The patches, the downloads for consoles are slow as fuck. Mm -hmm. It's very rare now that you buy a game, put it into your machine, it just works. Uh, Jim Jim Sterling did a big video on this uh, last week, actually, where it was uh, both Gears of War and Mafia 3, where it took him almost a day to get running. Right. PCs and if you're if you ridiculous. only play it occasionally, once every other week or something like that, oh, every yeah. time you turn it on, you're gonna have to wait for a bunch of fucking. Updates. I, had to, I, had to update my, I had to update my controller. My controller <laughs> had to be updated the wow. other day. I was like, what is happening? It, oh, there's too many so updates. much. Too many. Yeah, there's so much of it. Yeah, the P, the PC obviously has already like destroyed the console in terms of power and price performance is only getting better. Mm-hmm. So if Nintendo made another console, I'd say the same thing I usually do about Nintendo is like, this is going to be carried by its first party exclusives again, you know, because I can't play these on PC. That's the only reason. But with, with this degree of portability, it to me seems like it's a device that um, works around my schedule and works around what I'm doing at the time and doesn't tie me to a television, doesn't tie me to a couch and a specific room in the house. There's flexibility there. Right. I'd be very lightly tempted to stop taking my iPad places in favor of this, mm-hmm. honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 
uh, we'll see what it does in terms of like video playback and things like that as well. I'm not sure what they're supporting there. Because honestly, it's not like my phone can't do everything my tablet can do anyway. There's yeah. like there's honestly not a massive difference now between tablets and phones. I mean, I already use a Note 5. No, not the exploding one. <laughs> I already use a Note 5 anyway. And I'm just like, well, you know, yeah, cool. It's got a, it's got a smaller screen than my iPad Pro, but it's way more fucking practical and less unwieldy. And it can do pretty much everything the the tablet can do. That didn't used to be the case. Tablets used to be way more powerful. Mm-hmm. Side note, it was pretty crazy when we were getting on planes to and from England. If you had a new Note phone, they wouldn't let you on. No, because it's potentially a bomb. It's yeah. now, um, what's the, the, whatever the government agency is now for flight in this country uh, has made it illegal to bring one onto a phone. It's actually a felony now. Yeah. Because it could explode. Yep. Don't do that. So every time we were lining up to get on the plane, they were like, as a reminder, if you have the note, whatever the fuck, you cannot be on this plane. Poor yeah. Samsung. Poor Samsung. How they did made, they do it twice? They made That's a what I don't bomb. Understand. They, they made, made a, a bomb. potential they bomb. They took all the bombs back, and then they gave us new bombs. New bombs. <laughs> Jesus. Like what? The, what? How do you do this twice? Oh my god! Actually, blowing my mind. Hmm. Yeah. Nice. I like it. Blowing your mind. <laughs> yeah. Uh. So, I mean, to me, I, I see the appeal, and I see it has a place, kind of, in my set of fucking gadgets that is practical that I might mm-hmm. actually use it for. So I, I don't, I don't hate it. I, I think it's got potential. I don't know if it's going to do very well, but it's got potential to. Doesn't look like a fucking disaster right out of the gate. And you still come down to the price and exactly which games get announced because we've got a handful of, of teasers for things: the Zelda, Monster Hunter, Dragon Quest, a few other things. But it's like under ten is is what's mm. currently being hinted at. Well, mm. I'm sure there's going to be more. Isn't there this weird situation where they actually showed Skyrim on it and then Bethesda wouldn't confirm that Skyrim was on it? Yeah. 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 That's a bit weird. It is like, a bit weird. That's that's someone in the marketing department effed up real bad. Marketing or legal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, I don't know what the fuck is going on with that. It's a, I, I'm just hoping we've maybe got to a point where people are getting sick of mobile games bullshit. Mobile gaming, in my eyes, has never been worse than it is now in terms of how exploitative it is, in terms of how data-reliant it's becoming, a massive battery drain... You know, really nuking nuking batteries hard. Needing to access all your contacts, your your photos. Yeah, there's privacy issues with a lot of stuff like that. All of this mostly comes down to Pokemon Go and shit like that. That that did all of those and then some. Mm -hmm. There's so few proper games now on phones. I'm just hoping that the general public is maybe just getting fucking sick of that fact. If so, maybe we see this do well. If not, people are going to be like, well, I got my phone for that. Yeah. Go, well, then. Mm. That could be yep. a problem for you. We'll see. Yeah, I'll buy it, though. Uh, I'll go for it. I can see a use for it. Where? Je- Jesse can play on mine. He doesn't <gasps> have to buy his own. I'll bring, I'll bring mine. That's what I'm counting on. I'm counting on everyone else I know to buy one, and I'll be like, what up, buddy? Let's play games. Hey, just throw a party. You know someone's going to show up with one. 
Yes. Oh, absolutely. Apparently everyone's going to show up at their parties with a Switch. But no, seriously. Nerd conventions. Why the fuck would people not Actually, the parties I go to, there will definitely be one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm no dummy. I know there will be one there. Have you? Did you see how many people brought 3DSs to CoxCon? Look, I mean, fuck. I'll, you got to get those street passes, that's bro. It that, that's it. That's why they designed it. They designed it for CoxCon autograph signing lines. You sit there for five hours, break out your Switch, problem solved. Nintendo, you thinking, you so smart. You're so smart. Call me. <laughs> Let's make that shit happen. Let's get a sponsorship for this year. Let's do it. There we yep. go. Yep. Should we move on to games? I mean, we. Okay. Now, so we like, uh -oh. All right. Uh -oh. Oh, all no. right. Okay. Oh, no. Oh, no. The, we have gone through a bunch of bullshit over the past few years with releases and. Today, I just couldn't be fucked because I was confronted with the release list and there was at least 100 games on them, 98% of which look like utter bullshit. So I have no desire to spend an hour going through them. So I cut it down to just a few and also one... Censorship, internet, it's yep. censorship. I'm done. Unsubbed, I'm not going to sit here unsubbed. for an hour saying this looks terrible, this looks terrible, this looks terrible. I can't be asked this week. <laughs> I can't be bothered. I can't be asked. I can't. Oh, God. Let's do it. Let's jump MVP. into this. You're the MVP. P -P 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 -P. Yes, that. All right. Today, the Dark Souls DLC comes out. Ashes of Ariandel. Yes. So that, there's that. that. That's out. Mm -hmm. um, Mordheim DLC, Undead. You can now play the Undead in Mordheim, which is quite, quite a fun little PC strategy game there. That was not too shabby. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dead by Daylight DLC, Halloween Michael Myers. Yep, that's the update for that. Cool. Uh, oh, sir, the insult simulator. Yeah, this this was the only one of the 20 fucking things that are coming out today that I looked at and thought might be worth anyone's time at all. Awesome. It, it's, it is literally a game about uh, competitive insults. Mm -hmm. uh, it just released a, a dollar, Banter. by the way. It's a dollar. Instant purchase. Instant purchase. Yeah. Done. It has AI mode. You can insult your friends. There's a contentious battle system with combos, criticals, continuations, and other mechanics. It's oh, an argument shit. simulator. That Perfect. sounds like it could be fun. Great. It's a dollar. Hmm. That's, even if it's shit, it's a dollar. Come on. <laughs> uh, next up, October 26th, how to make <laughs> your grandpa happy. I included this one just because I'm like, what the fuck title is that? I, it's free. Do tell. Okay. It's it's actually already out, weirdly enough. I don't know why they said it was coming out on the 26th. It's out now. How to Make Your Grandpa Happy is a short experimental game about being a granddaughter who tries to repair her grandpa's photo album. Put the photos in the right place and help the grandpa remember the past. That's actually kind of adorable. It's really nice. And now I feel bad for mocking the title. Yeah, I thought it was going to be some weird-ass, not appropriate for the uh, internet thing. Well, like a shower with your dad simulator, stuff like it, that. Just like shower with your dad simulator. That's what I thought it was going to be like. like. That. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. Fair enough. That, that's kind of adorable. I'll, get, I'll let him go away <laughs> with that. Um, October 28th, we have Dragon Ball Xenoverse 2. The first one was fun, but immediately got inundated by hackers. So, hopefully. Great. This hope. one has some, some sick barriers. I hope so. Up, I hope so. Uh, Skyrim Special Edition. Yep. That's so coming that out Friday. That's free if you own the Legendary Edition or Skyrim and all DLC on PC. 
Otherwise, you have to pay for it. Hmm. Apparently, it fixes some core problems with the engine, although obviously it's mostly made for people on consoles that can't currently play it. Right. Plus, holy shit, the PS3 version of Skyrim was fucking awful. <laughs> uh, and last up, Titanfall 2. Yeah, that that's the big Ooh. release this week, Titanfall 2, which, of course, is coming out like a week after Battlefield 1. It may struggle a little bit, but I'm ready for it. I'm, I'm pretty much done... I think with Battlefield 1's multiplayer, like yeah. I think I've got probably what what I wanted out of it. Although I, I I'm gonna go in once more because I did just discover something that is not properly explained in that game at all. The tanks have variants, and one of them has flamethrowers on it. I did not know that. <laughs> I wanna play that tank. And now, now my life has changed. Now, I will. I've been sitting at the top of the scoreboard by sitting in a tank or in a gunner spot of a tank for like the past few days, and now I can do it with a flamethrower. Yeah. That, that sounds like fun. Yo, don't forget World of Final Fantasy comes out. It is. <gasps> it does, yes. yeah. Uh, reviews are out for that game. Final Frame. Fantasy Pokemon. Yeah, the conclusion for the most part, the consensus being stories bullshit, combat yep. and collecting super fun and awesome. silly and adorable. Yep. Ifrit is called Frit. He's a little baby Ifrit. Everyone's a little baby something. Ten out of ten. Ten out of ten. Don't you wear, Don't you wear most of the monsters as hats? Is like they stack on top you of you. Do. That's yeah. the thing. You, you, yeah. And then you stack hats on hats to get combo bonuses. And they also help you solve puzzles and stuff. It's a really clever mechanic for a game. It's super chibi and super like almost too silly yeah but, but that might put me off slightly i admit but, but mechanically the game is super fun so if you can get past it being like oh a character who said adds the word the to every third word oh dear you can get past that and she's a, you can get is past she grandpa? no she's a little like i don't know comes some kind of monster creature that's your best friend who has a cute voice everyone has a cute voice in this game everyone so you know what's what's weird to me is that I think like across the last twenty years or so, I've enjoyed the Final Fantasy spin-offs more than I've enjoyed the main games most of the time. Yeah. Some of them are really clever. The Chocobo series was fantastic. Oh like, god, that was great. Chocobo ones have been fun. Oh man, I want a new uh, Final Fantasy Chocobo Tales. Yo, shout that out to so Vagrant good. Story for being a Final Fantasy game that wasn't a Final Fantasy game. Yeah. Secret Final Fantasy game. Yeah, man. This I'm excited. I'm excited for this, and I'm more excited that in a month, 15, baby, I'm ready. Oh, dude, 15, hell away. yeah. Take me away. Take me away in this adventure, and let's hope it doesn't suck, because I don't want to come back the Tuesday afterwards and be like, what a pile of shit! I can't <laughs> wait for that to happen. This is so, gonna be great. Two so hours hyped. of you shouting about it. <laughs> it's gonna be fantastic! Oh, God. Can't wait. Can't wait. <laughs> Yeah, and there's like uh, literally like a hundred indie Steam games, most of which look pretty terrible. Yeah. So that that that's that. But oh yeah, I, for me, I can't. I, I I'm not gonna say I can't wait for Titanfall two because I fucking can. And they're making me do it because they didn't give me a review copy. Bastards. Reviews came out today. I was not so rude. Them. They keep doing this. It's like you realize I might actually like that game, right? That's like me and Football Manager 2017. I cannot get them to send me a press copy. It is available in the beta on Steam now, but I'm like, nah, I'm just mad. I don't understand why they wouldn't send you a press copy for that. That seems like it would be up your alley. It they is keep a big saying, way. like, oh yeah, we're working on the list. I'm like, 
dude, what the hell? I'll play the shit out of this. I, my, my followers taught me how to play FM 2016 a couple of months ago, and I've been, I put so mm. many hours into that bullshit. Mm. I don't even watch football at all <laughs> or know anything about it. I, I admit, like, I've dipped into it for the same reason, actually. Mm -hmm. And just like, hey, I'm, I just like managing things. I don't mm -hmm. care if it's something I don't really care about. I just like managing things. And football yeah. managers are really good at that. Then you get to yell at the screen when they fuck up. It's yep. great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you get to blame your virtual people. Mm -hmm. How dare you? Yeah. I do you, that anyway. Doesn't matter you, what game. If you want to see the uh, Dishonored 2 is in a few weeks. That's on the 11th of the 11th, isn't it? So yeah. that's, that's, not, that's not coming out soon. Uh, there is a rumor, by the way, that they're only giving review copies for that out a day in advance again. Bethesda's get... Bethesda keeps pulling this shit. Um, Why do you gotta be like that? I don't know. I I don't know. They'll probably make some excuse about fucking suppressing spoilers or something, which is nonsense. But, yeah. So, hmm. I mean, there's no reason to think that that game's gonna suck, but obviously watch out for games that limit review copies. Never, never, never a good thing. One way or the other. It's at least a yellow flag. <laughs> yellow I just, flag. You know, I just wonder if Titanfall 2 is even going to have a player base on PC because, like, everyone's still playing fucking Battlefield. I could kill that. Not to mention, you know, you've got COD coming out as well. It's just such an illogical time to release it. Or, or it kills Battlefield 1. No. I, I don't <laughs> think it will. Battlefield 1's got way too much momentum behind it. Even though, like, <coughs> the only chance of that happening, I think, is if people burn out on the progression. Because the progression is not good. Like, they they don't have a lot of things to unlock. And a lot of the things are quite similar to each other. And you can unlock pretty much everything you want in that game really fast. To me, that's fine, by the way. I don't want to be on a treadmill for 50 hours to get the shit I want. But it might put it may it may put some people off a little bit. To be fair, that exact same complaint was leveled at Titanfall One. So you know, people complained that there wasn't enough to unlock there either. We'll find out. We'll find out. I'm excited. I'm still gonna play it. I I want it to be the game that I wanted Titanfall One to be. So, all the fingers crossed. Yeah. Right. Well, I think that brings us to the end of the show then, by the looks of it. But before we go, what is coming up on our channels? What would we love for you to watch? Please watch. We need to pay the rent. Quill, what's coming up on your channel this week? What's going on? Uh, of course, I'm still playing lots of Civilization VI. I've got a Stellaris series going on right now. I'm playing Path of Exile again and spending Ah, uh, such hours. a good game. Mm. So it's yeah. good. It's, it is. It's like everything Diablo 3 should have been. Diablo 3 is a good game, but it was not a successor to D2. Path of Exile, fantastic. So I'm addicted again and started playing it. Uh, I had some Kernel Space program coming up. I got, you know, just standard. If you can build it, manage it, explode it, you know, and have a bunch of people die like in RimWorld. I've got a RimWorld series going then that's happening on my channel. <laughs> very cool. Jesse, what's coming up for you? Oh my goodness. Uh, a very special video series featuring our dear friend Cry. And I, I'm not going to spoil anything. Just it's coming. It's coming soon. Uh, more Scary Game Squad for the Halloween season. And um, yeah, just going to try and finish up Deus Ex. The, the video that I uploaded today is like maybe my favorite quest I've ever done in a game ever. It legitimately was like the perfect 
It was everything I wanted in a video game in one like hour of film. It's brilliant. So go watch that. Dodger, what's coming up on your channel this week? Uh, welcome to the fandom. We have a new welcome to the fandom going up tomorrow, as well as some backstage pass for the rest of the week. Um, if you are interested in hanging out with me while we play a lot of Stardew Valley, we're going to be doing a really long stream on Friday. Um, otherwise, just tune in for streams on twitch.tv slash dexterity bonus and weird dumb stuff on youtube.com slash press hard to continue. Thanks, guys. Indeed. You'll have to do that because now, of course, we all have loyalty badges, which completely yeah. changes nothing. Come be part of the cat gang. <laughs> no, we have hats. Our hats are better. You can be a little gangster cat. Do it. Oh, I got to go. Apparently, they work for me, too. So I'm really curious to see what the, uh, what the different levels are of people because it might just give everyone maximum for all I know. I have no clue. <laughs> This would be that, great. That is actually a very good question. What is it going to do for you? You don't have a monthly sub. We tested it out this morning and it works. So the th a, three, a fake three-month badge we created works. So the question then becomes, what happens? <laughs> the other ones. So I'm very curious. That'll be a, a test. That it will. Thank you, Quill, very much for coming on the show today. Talking so much, Seven Stellaris. Yeah, very thanks. much appreciated. And thank you, everybody, for watching. We will be back, I believe, same time next week. I don't think there's a reason not to. That'll be Tuesday, the 1st of November. That is our prior yeah. to BlizzCon episode. The week after that, we will most likely be in the same place. What? Yep. What? That what? we will. What? We're, what? We are what? all going to be at Bli BlizzCon. I don't think it's not that exciting, but we'll all be at BlizzCon. What? And what? God damn it. Yeah, it'll probably be an hour of that. That's what it will fucking be. You can guarantee it. It'll probably be live from Cox Towers or something like that. But yeah. What? We'll, what? We'll be in the what? same place. What? And then we'll realize why we don't do it all that often. Thank you very much for watching, folks. This has been the Corruptional Podcast. We will see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. -bye.